It is Wednesday. I'm Drew Berquist. This is my show. Damn glad to be with you guys. Gonna be a fun night. Gonna be a fun night. We got Jason Burmas, who's the host of Reality Rants with Jason Burmas here on the RVM Network. Gonna be joining us in just a mere moment. Uh, we hope you're here on Rumble. If you are, wherever you are, hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed as you come in uh, so you get notified for future episodes. And buckle up because there's a lot that we're going to get into. Before we do, though, I just want to take this one moment uh, to give some love to one of our sponsors. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but the economy's not working so well. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty bad out there. I mean, a Big Mac meal is 18 bucks. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you. I remember when it was just 75 cents. <laughs> 10 cents for a cheeseburger. <clears throat> um, it's bad. It's not good. It's not good. Hopefully, you've got some savings tucked away in a 401k, IRA, combination of both, where, wherever it might be. But do yourself a solid and protect it. Protect it. You can invest in precious metals, IRAs, and 401ks, and you can learn about it. You can transfer them over without any tax consequences, an entirely legal tax loophole. All you got to do is call my friends over at American Alternative Assets. Call the number on the screen, 833-287-2465, or you can visit protectfrombiden.com. Have a conversation. They're going to give you a free wealth protection guide, talk it through with you, and then you're going to make the determination that's best for you. At the end of the day, it is your decision 100%, but they're going to give you the information, the tools to help make that decision. So do that. Call 833-287-2465, or again, visit protectfrombiden.com. Com. Okay, we got a lot to get to tonight. <clears throat> GOP got curb stomped last night. We'll talk about that later. What does all this war mean for kind of an overhaul? What does it mean for the world writ large? By the way, your car going to be controlled by the government starting in 2026. Great news there. The Hamas caucus lost their shit on the hill yesterday. Rashida was ultimately censured, but who really cares? What does it really do? Nothing. We'll talk about it still, just because why not? We're going to be together for three hours. Let's talk about all sorts of shit. But for now, let's talk about what's going on in the world. Let's bring in our friend Jason Burmis, host of Reality Rants with Jason Burmis. Jason, what's up, brother? Well, thank you for having me, Drew. It's great to be on the show. Well, it's good to have you. We've been wanting to have you for a while. Uh, I know Tom's probably got a gazillion oh, questions for you. You have, Jason, you have no idea how many questions I've got. Jason, you have no idea how many questions I've got for you, brother. <laughs> well, I'm willing to answer them. I'm an open book, let me tell you. <laughs> he is. No, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. So there's a, there's a lot going on in the world. And I'm going to be honest. We're going to kind of free flow this thing because there is so much going on. But I wanted to get your perspective on it. I wanted to give your perspective to the audience. Um, you, 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 just today, for example, you got an MQ-9 Reaper that was shot down. Uh, off the, the waters of, 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 of the, the region over there, Yemen uh, Houthis shot it down. You've got us doing airstrikes, but you've got this Israeli conflict. You've got Russia-Ukraine, which has been going on for a minute uh, and is ridiculous and absurd. <clears throat> but I want to see what your thought on this is in general, and we'll talk about the specifics of the wars, too. Uh, it sucks that it's now wars, plural, but, but we'll, we'll talk about that. But how do you think this plays in? With not well, <laughs> not well, right? But I mean, like, with, like, with, with you know, I had Stuart J. Hooper on. Um, he, you know, he's uh working on his PhD, uh, basically talks about globalism, global conflicts, 
And he's kind of seeing the same thing I am. You know, I'm a big history buff. I, I was very disappointed when the History Channel went from basically World War II and some World War I stuff to ancient aliens. Like, that's all we get. Right. Uh, I've moved over to AHC, which is American Heroes Channel. They still have uh, some of the historical stuff. And uh, Hitler, Blue Prince of Evil, that type of stuff is what I watch. And when I watch that, and I watch not only the precursors to World War II, but also World War One. they have a lot of similarities for what's going on here. You know, you have not only these large-scale global conflicts with first world nations, but then things start popping off in the Middle East, Syria in particular, uh, for World War One, and then on the road to World War Two, and when we finally get there, to find out that Ukraine plays this huge role, and then have that coincide with that absurd Canadian speech and standing ovation for an ex-Nazi soldier, I'm just taken aback. Yeah. Now. As far as, you know, you talked about Reaper drones, one of the things that you didn't mention is that Israel uh, recently knocked out a missile that was supposedly traveling 62 miles above the Earth, a.k.a. in space. So warfare has changed tremendously from the last time we had major conflicts between Palestine and Israel in that beginning of the war on terror phase into now, where— the war on terror was really a, a beta test, in my opinion, uh, for a lot of different things, including drones, including the robot dogs that have now been commercialized. You can get spot for anywhere from thirty-seven dollars to $70,000, depending on what kind of gear you need. And we're starting to see that warfare play out. Now, at the same time, like I said, you've got these uh, regional conflicts breaking out in the Middle East. Well, big players are taking sides. Yeah. You know, you can't ignore that China is not happy with what's going on with Israel and Palestine and said they've drawn a red line if Iran gets involved. That's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so for me, obviously, I want to see a de-escalation um, because I truly do believe that if we get something like a nuclear attack anywhere blamed on anybody for any reason— the world fundamentally changes for the worse. So listen, I, I don't like to I don't like to fearmonger. I don't like to warmonger. Uh, I don't like to hype things up. Uh, but certainly Lockheed Martin has been on my show quite a bit the past couple weeks. Why? Because their stock is exploding. Yeah. Uh, Raytheon stock is exploding. You know, I did a piece today on my show where Jim Cramer had the head of Raytheon, I'm sorry, on Lockheed on, and it was all just we got to give you more money. I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to invest in this defense. And then before they even get to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, first of all, Jim Cramer says the world has changed so much since—and he wants to say January 6th. Now, he stops himself before he says January 6th, and then he gets into the global conflict. But that should uh, let people know where their talking points are. And then the first thing the Lockheed Martin guy is concerned about— it's not about drone bombing. It's not about human intelligence. It's not about new weapons technology. It's about infrastructure digitally and cybersecurity. And that also worries me because, yeah. as you know, Drew, um, we've been a part of Five Eyes. We've been a track trace database society for a long time. Everybody acts like, oh, we didn't know before Snowden. In my film, Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined, that we had Norris Insight Systems. Anybody can look this up in all the major telecommunication hubs, 
AT&T, Verizon, and they just had a second room, which was a server room. It's a dumb room. In other words, there is a splitter cable and all the information flows through that and through the NSA. And for those that doubt me, please look up things like Promise and Carnivore Soft that even predated that and would basically tap into phone lines. In other words, it would go through all this massive data. And when it heard keywords like bomb or destruction, you'd get a certain flag. Well, that's way gone. We're way beyond that. Yeah. And with the hype surrounding you know, cyber attacks, cybersecurity, a lot of that being put out by the World Economic Forum, there's another one, right? Forget about a nuclear attack. If the power goes out in the United States in a centralized hub for a week, you know, maybe even 48 hours, we're in a different world. Yep. And we don't know who they're going to blame, but we haven't had any real accountability, in my opinion, since really, forget about just 9-11, since Iran-Contra, right? That's the last time we held the quote-unquote deep state any type of accountable. And the reality of that is that big players in that weren't held accountable. In fact, they were promoted. Bill Barr would be one of them. We saw that where that got us. Oliver North, who was very much the face of that, and was just like, I don't know, Ronald Reagan told me to do some stuff. I thought I was doing some radio shows, book deals, <laughs> no kind of jail time whatsoever. So what kind of message have we really sent to these criminals at the top other than you'll get away with it, Every once in a while, we'll have to burn one of your minions, somebody like an Epstein, somebody like a Bankman Freed. But other than that, as and Bankman Freed, I don't think would have gotten burned as badly as he did had he shut his mouth and cut a deal. Right. <laughs> he was dumb enough to believe that, wait a minute, I, I'm no, I'm not going to take this. No, that's how it works, bro. You shut your mouth and take a deal, or now you're going to do 100 plus years, and you might not even get that. You might be slipping in the shower real soon if you don't shut up. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he'd be lucky to make it as long as his, his life permits him. Yeah, I mean, all, all amazing points there. And, and you talk about the parallels, going back uh, a second, the parallels of World War I, World War II. And, well, and actually, side point, before I even do that, I think you're totally right. Uh, you know, any kind of nuclear detonation anywhere obviously changes everything just like that. But here at home, it's not going to take that. It's not going to take some ground invasion, which is the least likely scenario that's going to happen. It's going to take... Something like that, something hitting infrastructure, EMP, cyber attack, any of that kind of stuff, because we've seen not just what the government needs to go towards, not much, and we've also seen what happens to our populace here. I mean, this is literally Lord of the Flies at all times. It's just who holds the conch. Everyone's running around at a nine or a 10 and ready to fight. Uh, so it wouldn't be good at all. But parallels of World War One, World War Two. you know, one of the things we've talked about a lot here, and I'm sure that Tom will chime in with some thoughts on this too, but is... What happened after those world wars is you saw an overhaul, a kind of restructuring, if you will, of the system. And then you bring up the World Economic Forum. You bring up where our leaders and global leaders and the so-called elite want to take things. How do you look at these current conflicts slash wars, whatever we're calling them, stuff that's on the horizon, China, Russia, both weighing in and drawing their lines on this particular one with Israel and Hamas. Obviously, Russia's got some lines with the other one, too. But what, what, do you see this as an opportunity for them? Well, all right. So let's talk about that, because you're absolutely right that everything gets restructured after these major conflicts. And I often argue that really the major restructuring after World War II has led us to where we are today. You know, Tucker Carlson often talks about it now, that something changed after the nuclear bomb. And he's not wrong. 
Uh, he often talks about the idea that those that successfully uh, were part of that Manhattan Project and launched it just felt like they were gods afterwards. You know, they basically had the lives of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people in the palm of their hand, and with one stroke of a decision, they could take those lives. Uh, you know, fast forward 50-plus years, and you had people like Brzezinski basically bragging about it, that it was infinitely easier to kill a million people than it was to control a million people. And, and what do I mean by fundamentally changed? Well, first of all, you look at the Manhattan Project, and there was a fundamental change there, okay? You've had war mobilizations before, but the idea of compartmentalization on that scale had never been done at that level. I mean, they built an entire town during the Manhattan Project where 99.9% .9 of the people that were working on that had no idea what they were a part of. I mean, you're talking about a handful at the top. So you take that model, and all of a sudden, that's how you militarize your black projects. You know, you don't want to call it fascism. You don't want to talk, you don't want to call it a public-private partnership. But essentially, if you look at what was going on in World War II with the enemy, you had that with the Germans, IG Farben, and Dow Chemical would be another one. And in a lot of ways, through Operation uh, Paperclip, we absorbed the Nazis and that model. Okay, so now we have the Lockheeds coming up, the Raytheons, but we also have black sites and a thing called Born Classified. And for instance, one of the things that anybody can look up and check out in this program is the Oxcart program. And this is a plane that was developed to fly um, 60,000 feet up in the air and be undetectable by the Russians. Now, when that was being developed, Lyndon Baines Johnson had no idea about any of that program whatsoever. And at one point, uh, one of the guys that was working really at Area 51, you, you people want to know what's going on at Area 51. It ain't aliens, folks. <laughs> it's the post. Uh, it's the post-nuclear world, World War II for propulsion, weapon systems, and black projects underground. That's really one of the main places it started and then expanded. So they're like, well, we can display this. And Lyndon Johnson was just blown away. <laughs> he had no idea any of this was going on. And, and that just speaks to where it was in the 60s and 70s and why we had been warned by Eisenhower. Now, again, you talk about fundamental changes. I think that we're also extremely arrogant and almost jingoistic to say that the war on terror isn't really the Third World War. Maybe because, you know, there was no invasion here and it wasn't being fought in any westernized nations where they spoke English. Even though, as you know, Drew, being over there, a lot of those people in the Middle East also spoke <laughs> English. But if you look at the amount of death, the amount of reconstruction and redistribution of power in that region, there is no doubt that it is a World War-style event. I mean, the Patriot Act, the Military Commissions Act, Homeland Security here, the rise of the privatized military group, or PMG, which is being utilized more and more, especially over in Ukraine. Those are the people running the show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's CENTCOM. It's the U.S. military, but it's being done through their proxies who are ex-military and now heading up these PMG groups that are directing the um, equipment, weapons, gear, and the missions for those Ukrainians. And basically, as you know, it's an unwinnable war. We're not winning against Russia. But right. at the same time, it's that proxy war that's going to uh, basically empower the military-industrial complex to continue to make this money. 
to empower the NATO position that Russia is the big bad guy and we need to take it over and possibly slow them down if there is a global conflict, if things do kick off more in the Middle East. I mean, we're already seeing it in Syria. So all of these things, Drew, are dangerous and have fundamentally not only changed the country, but the world. You know, a, a lot of people scoffed at me when I talked about uh, 9-11, the Patriot Act, et cetera, as too broad and that anybody could be deemed a terrorist. I think it was with Section 802, actually, if you look at the original Patriot Act. And it was basically this one bland line that if you were trying to uh, change a position politically, that you could be uh, defined as a terrorist. I, I remember it because Alex Jones put it in his old school documentary, The Road to Tyranny, one of the first things I saw questioning 9-11. And I said, there's no way that could be a part of the Patriot Act. Went, downloaded the PDF, looked up the subsection, and there it was. Uh, and then you had the expansion. Again, you know, Homeland Security doesn't come into fruition until 2003. But by 2008, all of a sudden, we have these fusion centers. So, as you know, we've had uh, privatized consulting firms. The Kissinger Institute would be one of those firms that kind of acts as a pseudo-intelligence agency. Stratfor would be another one. But instead of just these privatized agencies, they set up these fusion centers. Again, they're kind of the government, but they're not the government. And they're doing these white papers, et cetera, but they're looking at what domestic terrorism more and more and more. And it was all the way back in, geez, 2008, 2009, when that first MIAC report hit and Ron Paul supporters, Christians, people that questioned a new world order, they were the new domestic terrorists. And all of a sudden it went from 30 to 70 of these centers to 100 plus of these centers. And now we're in a world where most people don't even know about signature reduction. I know I brought it up with you before, but this again is an unaccountable privatized Pentagon military force that's been around for a decade. Yep. So as you know, Drew, when there is zero accountability and zero repercussion for any of your crimes of any scale, well, you just keep doing it. So the question is, are we going to be able to hold anybody accountable for any major crime at this point? And if we're not, is our country done, right? I think we're going to find out in 2024 just how done this country is. Are we going to have a free and fair election? Are they going to put an ex-president in prison for the first time because he didn't commit enough war crimes? I mean, these are things that we have to like literally ask ourselves. And if that happens, do we have a constitutional republic or even remnants of one? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, uh, all super and um, super positive and, and <laughs> great thoughts to think ahead to. Um, yeah, but, 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 but you're so right on all that. And I think the thought of, of the GWAT being the Third World War is a very fair assessment. You think about it. I mean, for one, we don't declare war anymore. The, you know, the permanent Washington, the military industrial complex have figured out we don't need to declare war. Let's just go fight wars. <laughs> and here's how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to label it. Here's how we're going to appropriate funds. Here's how we're going to do all of this. So when you look at the scale of that, it, it absolutely that makes a ton of sense. Uh, so so assuming that, you know, knowing that and I think on the election stuff, I mean, if, if last night was in the indicator and everything that we've seen over the last several years, particularly this year, doesn't look great for for 2024 and for our constitutional republic but but what does that mean so let's let's assume the worst here because it's pretty easy to do that these days and i don't want to but let's just do it let's just for shits and gigs have some fun here 
these wars continue overseas, right? Ukraine likely to become more of a nation-building thing, you know, because I think Russia's done. They're like, why are you guys even still here? We got what we wanted, and we're done. But, you know, we're going to keep the fight going on. We're going to keep sending money over there. We're going to keep keep Ukraine right as rain in terms of finances and whatnot, because it's good for them. It makes us look good. I don't know to who, but to someone, and they're able to launder money. Then you've got this other really real fight that's going on in the, in the Middle East, of course, us funding both sides of a lot of that, um, <clears throat> but it, it, it grows in, th in chaos. All that to say, there's chaos, and there's going to be chaos at home, so it is a perfect opportunity. Whether the next thing is the third war or the fourth war, as all of this happens, what does our government look like? Because I don't think we get back. We're, look, we're not going back to when we were kids, and there was a lot of problems there, too, but like we're not going back to the old days. So what do the future days look like? That's the big question, right? I never thought that I was going to be living in a country where when I went to D.C., it was going to look like a third world nation and be fenced in. I never thought they would put somebody so completely out of it mentally that it was a bad joke the day he got in office. I mean, you know, I lived through George Bush uh, Jr. And, you know, that was the boy idiot president. But I also am old enough that I used to watch old reruns of Saturday Night Live and they used to pick on Gerald Ford for falling down all, over, all the time. I, I would have given anything for a guy as coherent as Gerald Ford was when he was in office compared to Biden. So in a lot of ways, we've seen it in the last three years. We've seen massive inflation. We've seen um, denial, like cognizant dis cognitive dissonance with the other side. Um, for so long, and I hate to even call it the other side because you know I'm not a conservative or a right winger, but those that are just so die hard mainstreamers, they, they need their MSNBC, they need their CNN, they need their talking points, and really they need to be spoon fed uh, information to the point that they won't even acknowledge that Joe Biden doesn't run anything and that Kamala Embarrass doesn't run anything. You know, it's funny, I had on my other program the uh, White House stenographer from 2002 to 2018 on the other day. And so he was there almost in the very beginning of the Bush administration, right as the war on terror was kicking off. And I had a lot of questions about Cheney because you know Cheney seemed to be like the guy in the driver's seat and he was actually assigned to the vice president. So he spent a ton of time with Cheney, a ton of time with Biden and around these peripherals. And you know, he did, he made the comment that, well, when you did look at that administration, especially compared to the current one, and remember, he was just there in the beginning of the Trump one, you had very competent people that were doing things. And he, he's like, look, was Cheney part of the swamp? Absolutely. But people like Condoleezza Rice that he was working with, they were competent. Uh, people like Paul Wolfowitz, Donald Rumsfeld, whether you like them or not, they were competent. I look at this current administration, and I got to go, wait, like, would you— do you think Mark Milley is an exceptional individual? Like, if I had to go down the line of this administration, the one guy that really does give me those cold, I know what I'm doing, eyes and attitude is Tony Blinken. I think he's a pretty damn capable person. He knows what to say. But other than that, it's kind of window dressing. That should scare the utter fuck out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we, I, I really, we've gotten to the point, Tom talks about all the time, we, we, We've really kind of become, and, and particularly with the left when they're in power, and particularly with this administration, but our presidency and our leadership structure in D.C., and, and a lot of those roles are really just kind of figurehead roles. You've got, like, Biden's not doing anything. There's no competence there. 
and then the people around him are awful. So we've got we've we've got them who have kind of made a laughing stock out of our government, the positions within the government in most cases, not all. And and then and then on top of it to boot, you do. You've got I mean, two of the most r remarkably stupid people ever in key positions at the top and then a whole lot more equity hires and all sorts of stuff. I mean, no wonder though. I mean, the, the world was in tatters before. It's not like everything just broke all because of Biden. That's that's not a fair assessment as much as a lot of it did. But the world is definitely looking like, oh, OK, this is a great opportunity for us right now. Like, look who's over there. Dude just fell. Dude can't get off the stage. Kamala can't say on air what she's doing. And then you've got all the people underneath and they look at it. It's like this is a literal laughing stock. So I, it is a literal laughing stock, but at the same time, like you said, all of this agenda continues to push forward. You know, let's look at the Trump administration in comparison, right? A, a lot of people wanted to believe that he was going to be able to do everything. I think he thought he was going in there to be Superman. Well, I started looking at that administration up close and personal from the very beginning, and I was worried about, about, about guys like Mike Pompeo. I was worried about guys like Bill Barr, Mattis, McMaster, Liddell, all of which proved that they are indeed part of the establishment. Uh, Millie, for one, you know, there, there's a guy that was openly committing treason, in my opinion, and still somehow part of the government. It, it didn't seem to me that the executive, uh, at least Trump style, was as powerful as even he thought it was. And look, I'm not even saying that, that Trump is perfect. I, I have big beefs with Trump on the JFK documents, the Assange handling. Uh, it's never lost on me that they have now charged Trump with the Espionage Act, something they came up with in 1917 after his administration, which he allowed, charged Assange with the Espionage Act. And again, his hubris, where he sent Warbacher over there to try to get him to essentially tell people where the DNC dump came from, even though he had said over and over again it was not Russia, even though Assange on record had actually put a bounty out on finding the killers of Seth Rich, read him between the lines, that wasn't enough. And unfortunately, he allowed his administration to get out of control and drag that guy out of Ecuador and into Belmarsh. And now we're in a terrible spot, not just in journalism, not just with Assange, but with Trump himself. I mean, if the president of the United States cannot take documentation with him that the White House actually helped put in vehicles and secure at Mar-a-Lago, who can't? Yeah. And, and then be charged with espionage after the fact. And that's just one of the four criminal charges. I mean, we're in insanity town. Now, guys like Roger Stone, and boy, man, we I've been with the network now a little bit over a year. It's hard to believe. But a little over a year ago, I interviewed Roger Stone and I asked him that straight question. You know, what happens if they put Trump in prison? And a lot of people were scoffing at it back then. Some people are still in fantasy land now. Again, look at these civil trials. It's you're found guilty without a jury. We're just going to implement this. You don't have standing. Um, we're going to implement as much lawfare as possible as those around you. So even if they're not guilty, they'll plea down and appear guilty. That's in the Georgia case. Well, he says he's going to be able to run from jail. Now, look, man, he's not at the debates tonight. And I, honestly, at this point, I don't blame him because he could be criminally culpable <laughs> being in those debates um, with this current case and, and in a lot of them. Beforehand, maybe a little bit different. He's far and away the most popular, not only president of my lifetime, probably the most popular politician 
hands down in this country. I've traveled the country. I've seen it. And they've tried to demonize him as the worst. What does that tell you about where we are? If we put a former president for anything in prison, and believe me, if we were talking about war crimes, like, for instance, Drew, if we had put him on trial for his response in Syria for the non-Duma attack, if, if everybody remembers, Trump was out there in the weeks before this supposed gassing in Duma of his own people by Bashir al-Assad of saying, we need to leave Syria. I played it on my show several times. Then you have the attack in Syria that, that never was, that was actually revealed uh, by WikiLeaks through the OPCW that no attack uh, happened. But Trump to this day acts like a tr an attack happened. It acts like the 120 plus missiles he shot off was a good idea. It might have been 117. And then I've heard the other people who defend Trump, well, they he shot those off into nowhere. No, we don't shoot missiles off into nowhere. We kill people with them. So yeah. that's an issue. If we had said, hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna go for this, but no, we're never gonna go for things like that because that's what's expected of presidents. You know, I remember James Mattis in Congress after that being asked about the attacks and whether they had any proof of whether they had even happened. And he said, as of right now, I, you know, we, we believe an attack happened, but we don't have the evidence for the attack. And they never did. You know, that should show you where we're at. So look, I don't even know that if Trump returns to office, how much better it's going to get. Uh, I, I would say that, look, there's a possibility of it getting better if he can, can get back in office. There was more money in my paycheck, Drew, when he got into office. He did not start any more wars of aggression. He did talk common sense. He did open up the energy market in the United States. And I do, I do believe we need that stuff. Um, but as we can see, the powers that shouldn't be are willing to do anything to keep them away from that goal. Yeah. So the question is now, uh, are we going to change the system so that you can't run as a felon? Will enough Democratic governors and their cohorts um, try to get legislation passed to keep him off the primary ballots and then keep him off the tickets? And if they successfully do that and feed us a Nikki Haley or a Ron DeSantis, I, I mean, does that just mean it's all over? I mean, that that's the bottom line. Like, they're there to lose, right? And the Democrats aren't putting Joe Biden back in, but they don't want to run debates. They don't want any challenges. We saw that with RFK Jr. That was their worst nightmare. So so now what? What, an installation of a Gavin Newsom? I'm not sure if you saw the uh, latest, but Gavin Newsom is going to be hosting an event with uh, Kamala Embarrass and Joe Biden. <laughs> I, I mean, he's the spokesperson after the debates. <clears throat> Yeah. This was a guy that was so damn unpopular in California, they had a recall where they had to talk, call his black opponent a white supremacist, Larry Elder. And and you're never going to be able to convince me that Larry Elder didn't win that race and that that wasn't rigged, too. But I'm just supposed to accept it, that people love Gavin Newsom, people love guys that literally look like Christian Bale serial killers and act like no, but it's so true. That's such a damning thing for our country because they know that everyone hated him. They know the people who, who he's governed out there hate him, and he's done a horrible job. He's a tyrannical, dictatorial, just total douche nozzle. He, but he was bad. Jason, I just moved from Los Angeles after living there for 10 years, and I can tell you how atrocious that place is. And when it comes to Gavin Newsom— he he was by he by far was hated by people like myself who are just like hey man just just let me do my own thing you know these covid restrictions are bullshit you know calling him out on it 
But when it came to the French Laundry incident and the smugness and the cold, calculated way that he came back and started to punish everybody in California, that was enough for me to tell my wife, look, we got to haul ass out of here because this isn't going to get any better. Because instead of being embarrassed, this dude is now turning the screws on everybody. And that's exactly the type of person you don't want to be around. No shame. No shame. None. I mean, the guy, listen, not just L.A. For, that's the other thing. A lot of people don't understand how big California is. I've lived there and I've traveled it. I understand it. You you have a very stark difference from the LA, L.A.'s, Irvine counties, San Diego's, to when you get above San Francisco and you're in, like, Sonoma and the northern parts. You know, that's like farm country. People want to be left alone. And there's a lot of that in California. I mean, don't get me wrong, Fresno, areas in Sacramento, et cetera. But for the most part, and, you know, I lived in upstate New York. Everybody thinks that New York is New York City. It's not. You know, there's 20 million people in that state and 10 million of them don't want anything to do with that lifestyle. And I would say, what's there, 30 million over in California? And I think it's more than half that don't want to live that style. But again, that's not how the media projects it. The media projects Hollywood, liberal, Democrat, the whole nine, when that's a small subsection of the population. So it's a case of perception versus reality, uh, but the powers that shouldn't be, the people that really do control these systems that have unauditable election machines, because that's what they are. If you've got proprietary software and there are no audits and there are no checks, well, you get to decide the elections. And then you create reality, much like Carl Rove said they did years and years ago that, you know, it's really up to us. We're the ones to create reality. No, truth is reality. And unfortunately, we no longer have a fourth estate that holds any of these people accountable. And instead, since they want to be on social media platforms and have jobs, what do they do? They promote this great narrative, which is a complete and total lot. Yeah. Well Speaking of perceptions and, and what, you know, reality is through a perception or a narrative, um, let's talk a little bit about, and Drew, if you don't mind, <laughs> I just have one quick question here. Go ahead. No, Drew and I will just I'll go just, play I'll some pool. Cigars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what, uh, Jason, what is your opinion of what's going on with the development of artificial intelligence and the White House and the deep state pushing DEI into the algorithms for artificial intelligence. Man, the, the art, first of all, the artificial intelligence thing is so dangerous because a lot of people don't even know what it is, right? And, and there's different types of AI. Now we've had AI for certain things, algorithmically um, creating profiles on people for some time. But now people's perception of AI is essentially these chatbots, right? The interactions they're having with computers. Uh, their perception of AI is AI-generated text prompt art, right? Or AI text-generated articles, those type of things. That's just one small step, but what people really need to understand is that at the end of the day, these things are large language learning models. In other words, they are programmed. So somebody in there is deciding which narratives are acceptable, which narratives are not, and where you're going to be taken via these narratives. In a world where we already know that the authoritative sources are heavily censoring us, that's dangerous. In a world where they're having private hearings that are barely covered by the media, 
You know, we had that one uh, closed door hearing about a month ago where Bill Gates was there. Elon Musk was there. Mark Zuckerberg was there. Microsoft was there. DeepMind was there. Did anybody? That should have been front page everywhere. Instead, there was barely any media coverage. And the one comment on it that I was able to find was on C-SPAN. And it was Elon Musk talking about it after the fact. So in my opinion, you know, this big push for AI and the regulation of it is to control that narrative. And effectively, essentially, all this AI is going to be the undisputable truth. So in other words, if you have telemedicine, soon enough, you're not going to be talking to an actual doctor. You're going to be talking to an AI doctor. In fact, on yesterday's program, I was showing just some of the uh, virtual humans you can currently purchase and program. And by program, um, you're literally working with a Photoshop-type environment, and you're picking your avatar, which is a human being. You're then typing in what they're going to say. You're picking their background, and then they say it. And I'd say it's about 85 to 90% convincing. It's only going to get better. Um, that's real. That's happening. And, you know, they already show you how they're going to be using it in sports. They've already used this technology in the news overseas. So when you have a controlled narrative and you no longer know whether you're interacting with human beings that might have some kind of a consciousness, well, we're in danger. And then what you have the advocates like uh, Sam Altman, who is the chat GPT guy saying, we need to pause AI. Now that was one of the public hearings where we actually got to see these people talk. But then his counterpart, Eric Schmidt, says, no, we can't. China's not going to do it. we got to keep going. Well, Eric Schmidt worked with China. Eric Schmidt, when he was at Google and uh, the parent companies, actually helped develop Dragonfly, their censored version of the Internet, got caught. It was kind of a big deal. Some of the uh, people working on it didn't even realize what they were working on. Again, that compartmentalization model. They complained. He gets called out on it. I think it's on the BBC. It's a European network because— you know, we don't do real journalism in the United States even then. <laughs> no. and, and he literally just says, you know, I'm Sergey Brin's the head now. I don't work here. Th those are good questions for him. Well, that's not China's uh, censorship program anymore. That's just Google's. You know, we can all go to Google right now and try type typing something in. I mean, it's so shadow banned. You get such different results from DuckDuckGo. And as, as a kind of superposition to that, Everybody out there that think Twitter's free and fair right now, go type Trump into your search engine bar. See what comes up. You know, I do it live on air because at a time that you had some fairness on the Internet, that's why Trump exploded. Everybody was watching him talk. Everybody was watching those rallies. Those things were getting like 70,000 live viewers on YouTube, millions of hits. Now they're completely erased from YouTube. You don't see them on X ever, like ever. And then you, you used to see memes of Trump, short clips of Trump. Again, type his name in. You will scroll down 20 to 25 things before you even get a small segment of the man himself speaking. So now, you know, not even just artificial intelligence, but the algorithm is such on all these platforms where they're suppressing him and trying to create that reality. Imagine that with every aspect of our life, especially after COVID-1984. No ivermectin for you. No hydroxychloroquine. Vitamin D is bad. 
In, in fact, today on the show, I don't know if you caught it, but the World Health Organization, please go to their Twitter. They literally ran a 60-second piece telling you it's time to stop the sun. And the sun is killing one in three people that work outside. Not a joke, not a parody. The re I mean, it's a piece where they show a woman outside of the construction site fully clothed with a hat on, little sun on her face, and she's the example? <laughs> like, what planet are we on? Yeah. Like, they're convincing us the sun is bad, and Bill Gates says planting trees is no good. That's the science we're living in. And if we let AI take over, that's the kind of science we're going to be taught. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm watching the, I've got the audio off, but I'm watching the ads and the, the images coming across. It's remarkable. Now, I mean, we're, I mean, it's sad that we're at that point where, what did CDC or, or the WHO or one of those groups, FDA say, cool, I'm going to go the opposite direction and I'm going to feel really damn good about it. Oh, here's the ad. You want to see the yeah, ad? Play the ad? Here it play is. Fucking ad. Let's go. like the fertilizer that you're exposed to on the farm or any other contributing factors. So let's let's talk about that. Um, that is just utter and complete horseshit. Not one in three people die of some kind of non-melanoma skin cancer from working outside. I don't even know where they get that number. And then you look at the solutions. It's like, use an app. And then at the end, they say, use protection. Now, it's funny when they say use protection, they show you a hat and a shirt. So wear clothes. That's a good thing. But <laughs> if you look it up, sunscreen and and this i did this on the show today harvard university all these other ones admit that a lot of these sunscreens which i've never used by the way actually have chemicals that cause cancer in fact some of them have been pulled off the market yep so we're sitting here we're deem we're not we the world health organization which is the authority on health and over at youtube and what's real is now telling you the sun is dangerous that 1.6 billion people literally like close to a quarter of the population are at risk of death from being outside i mean we're in cartoon verse man but that's not a cartoon that's what they're promoting yeah no it is and i mean obviously going back to the covid stuff i mean vitamin d you know, just getting some sunlight one of the best things for you i mean you you'd hear you'd hear these stories you probably know more about it because you you dive into that stuff more than than i did but like You'd hear some of like Fauci's regiments, regiment, and 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 one of the things he did is just well, just up your D three intake to fifty thousand or whatever the yeah. Instead G. of MGs, instead of yeah. go outside and get sunlight, stay inside and take the take the supplement. But but even even if you're doing that, it's the same thing. You're saying that the sun's bad for you, yeah. but this is what's going to to fix things during COVID. Okay, gotcha, Scooter. No, yeah, well, like, my wife's been going through some medical stuff, and we got some tests back. Her, her D3 is way down. 
and she used to work in a hospital. She used to be indoors all day, even when at night when she worked nice, whatever. She was not at in the sun. And we were talking to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "Go outside without no sunblock on, and just you, your D three will go back up. Just give it a week, you'll be fine." But the world is telling us stay inside during the hot times of the day. Don't be out there. Put on the sunblock. What, you know, you, you know, block the sun from your skin because you don't want to get cancer. She goes, "Don't listen to them. Just go outside, and you're gonna be fine." It's so dumb. I mean, you know, you're down in Florida. They're dropping dead in droves from tanning on the beach. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, Every day. You, you have to, go to step the over the bodies yeah. on the beach. <laughs> it's like awful. Normandy. <laughs> I'm a big, you know, look, if you get some sun. When I'm feeling sick in particular, I'll go out back and just sit, take in some rays. If you want some extra quiet, you drop your clothes because then the people yeah, they, they just disappear. Gone. Especially yeah. now, like yeah. in my 40s, they're like, well, I'm definitely out of here. But. <laughs> But it, it's great. I, and, and if anything, the sun is good. Go the Kramer route. Slather some butter on you. You're going to come in smelling delicious. Nice and crispy. Nice and crispy. So, Jason, I've got to know, what in the world is going on in Antarctica? Is this all just kind of, you know, conspiracy du jour, or is there something to this? All right, let's do it. Let's do Antarctica. Let's do the Antarctic Treaty. Let's do it all right now. First of all, I want to let my audience know and your audience know, I am not a flat earther at all. Not even a little bit. Not not a tiny bit. I don't believe it. I am sympathetic to those people for two reasons. And, and, and there are two main reasons. And actually, there's a third reason. Obviously, we've been lied to so much. Why? What can you trust, right? That's That's one of the big things that they'll always say. Uh, second reason that I am sympathetic to uh, the flat earth crowd is that they've been pushing things like the multiverse forever, right? So if you pull, if you push the multiverse, and this is the new mainline thing, in fact, I play it on my uh, show all the time. And another thing people don't understand, Google is a military industrial complex contractor. That's what they are. I mean, they've partnered with NASA on quantum computing and artificial intelligence. In fact, that's one of the videos I played last week, a 10-minute demonstration. And what are they promoting the entire time? The multiverse. And this multiverse theory, to me, is kind of an incorporation with the metaverse because you'll have infinite possibilities in a digital wonder world that's created. And they're trying to sell us that we're kind of already in this digital wonder world and we don't have free will. Right. That's when I hear the, the multiverse, that's what essentially I think everything happens there. Therefore, there is no free will. That means there's President Jason Burmis, who's a tyrant. There's benevolent President Jason Burmis. There's, uh, you know, Jason Burmis that has seven wives and is a Mormon. And there's a, you know, it, it just doesn't it doesn't fly with me. But that's an argument for flat Earth, because if it's the it's the multiverse and that exists and it's infinite, there's got to be a flat plane out there somewhere. <laughs> that they're lying to us about in that multiverse. Now, the other one would be that we're in some kind of a simulation, the David Icke theory. And, you know, I interviewed Icke uh, twice in the last few months, in fact, almost for a full hour on the dream and this theory. I don't buy into that either. But if we, let's just say for a second we are, we're in some kind of like holodeck experience or matrix type thing. Well, then nothing is round or flat. Everything is zeros and ones. And just like if you programmed a video game, you know, those video games that are open world on sandboxes, they're always on a flat plane, right? So if it were digital and we were in that, uh, you could make it appear around, but at the end of the day, it would actually be flat or something like it because we're in a uh, simulation. So I'm sympathetic there. 
Let's really talk about what's going on in Antarctica as far as I've known. Because, look, I, I've seen the uh, bird stuff. I've seen the lush lands that's up in the uh, northern region. And I totally believe that's real. I also believe that it's a great place to have black programs. And that's why you have those whistleblowers that come out of there. Because they are away from so many prying eyes, right? So I don't doubt that that one individual mm -hmm. that's talking about an energy station and weather warfare that's real as to whether it's alien technology or not i am highly skeptical of any kind of alien technology now let's talk about chinese spy balloons that never were okay so when that chinese spy balloon hit i said first of all i'm not sure it's from china number two i don't think it's a spy balloon hirsch who i respect a lot i may not agree with a ton uh, made commentary on that, that basically it was part of a network of satellites because there are balloon satellites. That's another thing the flat earthers get right. They call them satelloons. But you can go to, uh, <laughs> Such a bad name, but, but also <laughs> appropriate. So you can go right now, and maybe we'll do it live because that's the kind of guy I, I am. I'm going to type in NASA balloon program. I've done it on the air before, but you can watch like 40. Here it is right here. Boom. Perfect. So let's go news without me. Here we go. So the oh, of course, why why would that work? Why would it be on the right one? Is that one the right one? <laughs> yeah, there right. we go. So scientific balloons. I mean, you can go here, and they are. Uh, they have a whole. I mean, they're launching satellites that are not in low Earth orbit. I mean, that one satellite was about the si size of the ISS. And uh, here's one right here, and you can see how high they get. They get a hundred thousand feet. Um, and and like I said, there's just. Uh, an innumerable amount of these balloons, and you can watch videos on them. It's all on the record. Now, these networks, according to Hirsch, on the Arctic anyway, are there um, for basically aviation systems. So you have this, and it's it's a global network of satellites that's utilized by China, the United States, under these Arctic treaties. So what I think you have going on there is a, a multitude of agreements for different first world and powerful governments to have their black sites and have their programs, almost like um, the uh, maritime law, where if you get far enough away, you get to do what you want. But obviously it's not as secluded, the weather's not as harsh. Who knows, maybe I'm gonna find out there's the outer lands and that the aliens are really from there and we're <laughs> in some kind of fishbowl. I haven't seen any evidence. In fact, you know, not that I believe this, but I would give more credence to say, uh, the hollow earth than anything. I'm not sure if you've ever seen uh, the video, but it's out there. I've played it, whether it's real or not. Essentially, you're up either on a satellite or some kind of a ship down on the earth. And, you know, there's this circular pattern that seems to be caving in. Now, whether it's a weathering pattern or not, you also have the black rock or the black stone that is, and anybody can look this up, that is a feature in the Arctic North, the polar north. Um, that, you know, you wonder what that is. So I don't think they're being honest with us in that area. I don't think it's the flat earth. I think it's it's a great plausible deniability scheme for all sorts of fun stuff for these guys. And then, you know, you have the people that say these things and then they immediately discredit themselves. And then when I start talking about, for instance, uh, weaponized space or Elon Musk putting up uh, blackjack satellites, then the flat, there is no space. Space is gay and fake, you know? Stacey <laughs> <laughs> Thomas must believe that too, so he's completely and totally discredited. So so it runs a multitude of things. Or I start talking about 9-11, oh, you believe the Earth is flat. 
It's the same thing they did with your 9-11 denier to try to associate that what with Holocaust denial. So, you know, to me, it's an interesting topic. Anybody wants to take me around, I'll take the plane trip. I'd love to do the loop-de-loop. <laughs> Uh, you want to get me out to the Arctic with the with the NASA people? I'd love to be there. And that's another thing. A lot of people don't know that NASA has a network, but I run IPTV, so I've got like 40,000 channels. I watch NASA three, four times a week at least for hours at a time, and I watch some of these programs, and they are out in the Arctic. And the other thing that people don't realize that they're doing is there are a lot of the climate science people as well. So they're gathering data there, and they're manipulating data too. Uh, but at the same time, NASA has an incredible budget. It has amazing black program partnerships with Google and beyond, right? And it, it sets the narrative about not only space, but the environment. I mean, how much do we know about the weaponization of space? Earlier in the show, we talked about that missile that was 62 miles up there. But what we do know is that in the 80s, Reagan and the Star Wars program absolutely went up there, the Strategic Defense Initiative. And people like Bob Bowman, Robert Bowman, who worked on it, said it was not a failure. Uh, so that would mean we're in about third to fifth generation space warfare. So we can sit here and we can ponder about whether this is a directed energy attack or this technology or ARP or other manipulation. We don't have to ponder that we have weaponized space, that Blackjack is part of that program, and that NASA has openly talked about putting an artificial skin, an information skin, around the planet via Starlink. In fact, I play that clip often. It's from the Transformers conference in 2016. Anybody can go uh, and check that out. And it's so funny because I know you guys know this, but I talk a lot about transhumanism and the, and the combination of transgenderism. Well, the lead speaker in this two-part conference is Martine Rothblatt, the most powerful transgender person on the planet. Not only are they a huge transhumanist, but they're the people, they're the person that brought you Sirius XM and satellites and work with NASA. And by the way, NASA was on that panel. So you had <laughs> NASA on that panel after Roth Flat. And then what was even weirder than that is we talk about narrative control and content moderation. Well, they had the CEOs of Reddit and Twitch on to talk about content moderation and controlling the narrative. So you literally went from transgender to transhuman to space warfare to narrative control in one event put on i think it actually is by the good people at lockheed martin and samsung now don't <laughs> the lockheed martin part but it was definitely one of the military industrial complex companies and then samsung so and what's really interesting is you know how does like a samsung play a role into this well if you watch the conference Something like uh, nanosats. Are you guys aware of what nanosats are? I'm not. All right, so let's show you what a nanosat is. Uh, I think a lot of these are actually some of the UFO sightings that we've seen, uh, but they're extremely small. So let's go here, and we'll show you guys. Uh, what you're looking at, these box satellites, I mean, here, here's a hand. That's about how small they are. And uh, because of their size and the material they're made out of, uh, they're much smaller and they're put all over the place. Well, in order to make them work on a mass le le uh, level and uh, get them out there, they needed some kind of commercialized computer chips for their navigation systems, GPS, and memory. They were not able to scale those up until what? Samsung started mass producing Android phones. 
So basically, they would take the uh, chips, those phones in the mass production, and now they had a source for these nanosats. Uh, one of the other really interesting pieces of technology that a Rocketdyne actually talked about is the 3D printing technology of these satellites and rockets. And she's like, well, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but it's pretty incredible what we can print in just one piece. And, uh, you know, side note, when I did the Tim Pool show, it got to be close to two years ago now. But when I was there, there was an individual that actually worked for Rocketdyne there. And I brought uh, I brought this printing up, and he's like, brother, I've seen it happen. It's incredible. He's like, you would not believe how you literally program something, and then in front of your eyes, within the next couple hours, you have a full weapon printed in front of you. Now, we, we can have some idea because we have the commercialized 3D printers, but when we're talking about rockets and weapon systems, obviously, Drew, you know, that's another level. That's, Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, and you see all the commercialized stuff and you know what, what happens behind the scenes is obviously generations and generations ahead of that. It's, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, and, and I, I, gosh, there's so much, I, there's, there's so much information flowing right now. I know, uh, Jason, I got one more question for you. Do we have time? Let's, yeah, it. let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So my wife and I, my wife has family friends that have been to Bohemian Grove multiple times. One of the people in the family is a performer at Bohemian Grove. My wife has had many conversations with her friend that she grew up with about Bohemian Grove and what I have told my wife about Bohemian Grove. My wife has been met with, your husband's a conspiracy theorist. Nothing like that goes on at Bohemian Grove. It's just a, it's just a, a retreat. For you know, political people, for artists, for whoever, there's no owl, there's no kind of like ceremony that goes on or anything like that. That is all just fantasy conspiracy. Um, I mean, if you let me get up, literally ten feet away from me, I have nine of their eleven annals where they openly, in the first pages of each one, they talk about their deity, the owl. I mean, that is their deal. It's literally open. You know, give me one second. I'm going to read it for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right back. I love it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sounded it's like a sound like, effect. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. He's got a, a fucking bin of them. Look at that. Yes. So for anybody that thinks that these things aren't, this is 100 years old. I mean, I've literally... I've got one that's sealed, and actually the only reason I kept this one sealed is because Alex Jones had that one while I worked for him, and I scanned the entire thing in. Look, <laughs> I believe it's in the music one, which this one here actually comes with a, a booklet of CDs, okay, and a soundtrack. But they admit that basically the club is a place to uh, recruit those that will socially climb to their level, okay? So there's a guy named George Bromley. Uh, he was their high priest for a time. He came in in the early 1900s. I actually have his book too, but it's in my other house because I'm moving, it's in the other office. It's called The Long Ago and the Later On. And on the cover of it is an owl boat, okay? So tell your friend that you can go 100 <laughs> plus years ago and watch this guy have the cover of his book be an owl boat. So Bromley is from the San Francisco area. 
he actually gets pulled in. He's my book literally in his obituary. It is to the Bohemian Grove Club <laughs> and, and <laughs> them thanking him for all his years it has a newspaper clipping of 100 plus years old as well. So before Bromley gets there, there is still an esoteric aspect. Yes, it did start with artisans and painters and that type of thing. Um, but there was always this kind of religious and ceremonial aspect to it. And before the owl, they actually had a large-scale Buddha statue. Let me see if I can bring that up. Buddha uh, Bohemian Grove. And in it, you can actually see Bromley as the high priest. So, yes, here we go. We got the pictures right here for everybody. Uh, so there's the giant Buddha statue. And Bromley's actually the high priest here right in the middle. They're all in these druidic robes. Uh, here's the owl that will replace it. Now, Bromley goes over to China, of all places, and gets into Eastern mysticism. And that's where uh, he brings a lot of this stuff over. But they choose the owl, at least as far as I can tell from their writings, because it is a predator. It is wise. In other words, it's smart. But it can also see in the dark. And that kind of melds into that opening ceremony that some people will call a play. But there are plays at Bohemian Grove that change every single year. In fact, you can get the playbooks. Uh, Faust is among them. Uh, Montezuma, which involves human sacrifices, among them. But then there's the, like the showy stuff where they're dressing like women, big into drag. Like, again, I, I've got pictures of them in their own annals, all dressed as women. There's one with George Bush dressed like spy versus spy with 20 guys in black jackets as well. Those, those things are publicly available. But the cremation of care itself, and you can listen to the ritual. In fact, you know, it's on that audio. Uh, I think it's actually the one with, uh, who was America's newsman? I'm trying to think, uh, Walter Cronkite. He does, he does the voice in the beginning. It's a ceremony about you absolving your conscience of everything you've done in the last year so that you can do it again on behalf of this group. So what you're doing is you're burning an effigy, the cremation of care, of a conscious. So be gone, dull care, you know? And then there's a big laughter and the evil goes away and basically you're absolved of your sins and you get to do it all again. It's almost like a, a massive confession in a ritual. And, but, but at the same time, like you said, you know, they hire performers. So the San Francisco Orchestra they're kind of like peripheral members, and they're playing the symphony, and they're live. Now, as you also know, it's not just the Grove, which is a two-week encampment, but in San Francisco, there's a club. So let's just talk about some of the other really historical significance. Forget about the occult stuff and the weirdness and the drag shows. You know, we were talking World War II. It is public knowledge they recruited Oppenheimer at the Bohemian Club. And it was actually talks at the Bohemian Grove that led to the Manhattan Project. And one of the reasons that um, Eisenhower had been on the inside so much is he was introduced to the establishment as a political candidate post-World War II through the Grove. That's why you see those pictures of uh, people like Richard Nixon and uh, Kennedy but again, amongst them were people like Eisenhower. Hell, I even have a book that talks about Robert Kennedy, um, obviously not junior, also being in attendance. Uh, one of the only publications where they let a journalist inside of the Grove, I think the book still goes for about 150 bucks. Again, it's over at my other uh, place. But the historical significance of the Grove is, is a very real one, because like we were talking about in the beginning of this broadcast, the world fundamentally changed 
after the bomb, and the bomb is integral into the Grove. That's interesting. I'm sure that part's not in the new film Oppenheimer, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it might, you know, I wouldn't, I haven't watched it yet, but I wouldn't doubt it. You know, Christopher Nolan snuck some things in there. And, uh, you know, there's a movie out there that a lot of people aren't aware of. I don't know if you guys have seen it called The Good Shepherd. Have you ever seen it? Yep. So The Good Shepherd, I would encourage people to check it out because, again, it's that post-World War II movie where, again, you, you look at the main character, Matt Damon, who gets recruited into Skull and Bones, which is kind of a precursor to the Bohemian Grove. But how does he get recruited? He's in drag, doing a drag show. He's literally in lipstick as he gets tapped. And then, aside from the Grove, they have these other institutions, such as Deer Island. When they go to Deer Island, and this is all in the run-up to the creation of the CIA through the OSS, everybody, because, again, these clubs are integral in that. They're all in what? They're all in little dresses. They're in, like, the, the hula dresses, and they're singing and they're dancing. It's a running thread. This is very real. This is their behavior. And Skull and Bones was one of the initial intelligence units that, what, combined with the OSS and created the Central Intelligence Agency. And you can watch that in a fictionalized Hollywood movie with the likes of Matt Damon and Robert De Niro. And that's something you can show your friends. You know, I'm not making it up when I tell you that they do dress up in these outfits and they do get in coffins. In that film, you know, they're pissing on the people in the coffins from the second level, but we don't need that. You can go watch my film, Invisible Empire and New World Order Defined, and towards the end, when I get into the Bohemian Grove and Skull and Bones, a lot of people forget that Anthony Sutton, when he was writing those books, it was either him or one of his cohorts, actually got up on a building outside by the tomb, and that's what they call uh, the place where they meet at Skull and Bones, and captured some of the rituals. So on film, anybody can go watch it. Uh, these are college kids. They're sitting there, uh, the neophytes, with a, a woman tied up in the back and doing a mock human sacrifice of her as they scream, death equals the devil, the devil equals death. For the record, I never once wore a dress <laughs> or any sort of makeup, at least sure, on the job. On sure, the job, sure, sure, in my sure. Own time <laughs> That's, but uh, <clears throat> no, it, it, well, you see all of that. You see, like, I want to go back to button up, and I, your time's precious, so I, I want to let you get on with your night. But I want to, I want to circle back to something we talked about before this, because all of this and and this power structure that's that's built up behind the scenes, the relationships, the connections, devious shit happening, is is one of the reasons why going back to Trump, if we can make this leap. You know, <clears throat> they hated him. He didn't play along the system. He thought he could get in and actually enact change. You can't. You, you just can't, as a lone person, fix anything in D.C. or this world writ large now. Um, and, and you mentioned earlier, bef before we got into this, and I'm glad we did, but you mentioned how even if he gets in again, which I, I honestly, I tell the folks here all the time, and I know they don't like to hear it. I don't think he can. Um, but if he did, it, what does it do? I mean, it just kicks the can, right? Like— it kicks the can, and, 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 and maybe not far, because they're going to, if that happens again, and somehow he gets in, they're, they're, you think they're in hyperdrive right now. We're going to ludicrous speed to overhaul everything just to fix it. I mean, what does that look like? I think if somehow it's even in question that he would get in, we'd probably get one of those false flag attacks we talked about in the beginning, right? And that would fundamentally change it. Um, I don't see the superhero Steve Bannon scenario. I'd love to believe that's a scenario, Steve. <laughs> but Steve, remember, you, you have hours of Epstein tapes 
that you still haven't released to the public, but you're talking about how Trump on day one is going to give us the MLK files, the um, JFK files, the RFK files. We're going to get Malcolm X, and then we're going to get Epstein. Really? Are we? Because we didn't get the JFK files twice, and that fundamentally was wrong. And then when he was asked about 9-11 recently at a golf tournament in Saudi Arabia when they were trying to make him look bad uh, for being there, he goes, we've never investigated 9-11. It's a shame. We should know who did it by now. Um, Sir, you were the president for four years. Yeah. <laughs> if there was anybody that could have maybe done something or declassified something or put something out there, you know, uh, today's Wednesday— so I do my other show. So the second hour, I usually uh, play like an archive, and I played these Dark Overlord files. And I, I don't know if you know anything about the Dark Overlord files, um, but this was an investigation I did about five years ago. Almost nobody has talked about these files. And in them, you know, it's positive that somebody was shot on Flight 175. Okay, N names are named. James Woods testified to being on a plane prior to 9-11 with two of the hijackers and them doing dry runs. Um, you have information about not only Saudi Arabians, but Pakistanis that are now coming out into the mainstream. Again, nothing's been done. I would say that those documents, the Dark Overlord files, are just as important as anything, if not more important, than WikiLeaks is dumped. So, so the question is, yeah, what does happen if somehow he gets back in office? Well, first of all, he needs to have a real administration, right? He needs to have somebody who's the vice president that if he does get taken out, isn't going to be afraid and is just going to go even harder. Is Kerry Lake that person? Maybe. Is Rand Paul that person? Maybe. Um, there's really only a handful of them out there. Thomas Massey is another one. You know, uh, these are important things to look at. But I don't know if it gets that far. I don't know if there's an administration out there. He's talking about bringing Michael Flynn back. I, I think overall that's a good idea. I like Michael. I've met him in person several times. I think a lot of these guys also have blind spots, yeah. right? Uh, and that's another big problem because, you know, you had all these people that were on board in questioning what was going on with Ukraine, Russia, but then Israel and Palestine pops off, and they're just ready to go to war. And it's like, whoa, let's— Let's take a step back from all of this stuff. You know, uh, no one likes to see rave kids get killed, but let's ask the real question here. How does that happen when they're a part of Five Eyes? How does that happen that the Iron Dome uh, fails? How does it happen that two weeks later we find out that U.S. Special Forces were actually in Israel conducting exercises and operations that day, and now that it's escalated, we've sent dozens of those units out there? All right, those are the questions we really need to be asking. And the real question is, how can we de-escalate all of this so that we don't get put in this major scenario that could really change society uh, at the snap of a finger, much like we saw with the COVID nightmare? Yeah, well, and that's the problem, right, is, is a lot of us, it, me too, I used to, I, I used to want the new fight. I don't want either of these fights. I don't want any fights. I just want to frickin' live in my, my beach town and, and do the show and have some fun and let my kids grow up in a quasi-normal world. But, but they're so dedicated to it, man. There's so much money involved, and they're so committed to it that it's like, it doesn't matter what you commoners out there think or you, you folks out there who, who, who can see what we're doing because we're more powerful. We want this, so we're going to do it come hell or high water. If we have to force it to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm not saying that all of it's been forced or anything like that, but there's a lot of it that has. There's a lot of unanswered questions like you're pointing out, and everyone should be super concerned. Everyone should be super concerned how just freaking horned out Lindsey Graham and all these people are for more war.
dude, a guy, how does a, how does a guy like Lindsey Graham still have a job, right? Like I watch some of these people, and I'm just totally and completely blown. Like Christopher Ray, I, I watch Christopher Ray talking to Rand Paul when he's asking him whether or not they're still colluding with big tech, and I sit there and I go, how does this person still have a job? How does Mayorkas? get into the position that he's in. And it is because of the corruption that we've had generationally. And look, Drew, I wish that I had the answers. I always tell people, you gotta think globally, but you gotta act locally. And I know that you guys are, are very, very uh, big on preaching that too. If we can't change the presidential election, if we can't change a senator or congressional one, we damn well better be able to do it at the city hall or the school board level. Because yeah. that's where we're going to be able to affect change, state senator level. You know, those people behind the scenes. And, and quite frankly, you just have to be honest and constantly bombard people with the truth. And look, I get it. People are going to have differing opinions, and that's a good thing. I always encourage people not only to do their own research, but come with the receipts, right? I, I think that's why I've been able to carve out a niche. Um, you know, I, I've never been the biggest person out there. I've never wanted to be the biggest person out there. I'm certainly not a stunt guy, right? I'm not an Alex Stein. I'm not an Alex Jones. I, I don't have that kind of bravado, but I still have an audience because when I say something, I'll let you know whether I'm speculating or it's off the cuff or if I've got the video evidence, the documentary evidence, or the article that I am citing. And I think we need more of that. So, you know, if people... And especially with these magic devices, man, we've 24-7 yeah. got access to that information. So I'll give you an example. We'll see if we're going to get him on the RVM show, but he's someone I'm going to reach out to this week. Andrew Callahan, who, um, he, you know, he does Channel 5 News and, you know, big on Instagram. He did an HBO documentary on the Stop the Steal rallies uh, called This Place Rules. I would encourage people to watch it. Showed up at the Red Pill Expo. Uh, with G. Edward Griffin, right? And I got to have a conversation. First of all, he was dressed up in like a Borat-style outfit doing that type of journalism, and that's the kind of stuff he did. And look, I wasn't going to sit there and just let him tool on G. Edward Griffin. It just wasn't going to happen. So I flipped the script on him. I, I played the little clip here. Uh, but since I've talked to him, at the time, he hadn't posted anything to his YouTube channel in probably about nine months. So I was totally skeptical that he was even there for that. I was like, no, this is an HBO project. Talked a little behind the scenes, said that he left HBO. And I've seen his coverage since uh, he did a big thing with the QAnon shaman, Jacob Chansley, recently. And I have seen a little bit of a turn, man. I mean, and this is somebody uh, that was talking to that crazy woman, uh, Lorenz, that was censoring everybody yeah. in a positive light. I think he may be stepping back from that a little bit and going to more long-form stuff. So, so it's really about the conversations. You know, I want that to me, that's a kid. You know, he's 24, 25 years old. Uh, when I told him who I was, he's like, man, I watched Loose Change when I was in sixth grade. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm an old man. But those <laughs> are I'm not giving up on, right? We, we can't be in our bubbles. We can't make it just about right, left, conservative, Democrat. We've got to be able to have the conversation and reach out to those that are still on the platform. Uh, to the point where eventually, yeah, maybe they get censored too, but that just has them join our fight, right? Look at somebody like Naomi Wolf. She's never been perfect, right? But there was somebody I saw well over a decade ago when I was with InfoWars and Alex Jones, and she wrote, uh, I believe it was the end of uh, the death of America. And it, it was this 10-step program from a uh, constitutional republic into a dictatorship. And back then I had her on, 
and we had a great conversation. She still had her blind spot. Over a decade later, I get her on on the new books, and she's just so much more well-informed, but still has her blind spots. Even today, had her on the other broadcast, uh, and I'm not sure if you're aware. You know that YouTube is constantly censoring. Oh. But have you seen yeah. the new uh, open-air re-education quiz you get to take to knock down strikes? <laughs> yep, sure have. We've done multiple. Yeah. <laughs> so she was not aware of it, right? And she was she's one of the first people, at least prominent people, to bring up the fertility issues and the miscarriage issues with the hate and lie shots. And I informed her that there is now a question involving those miscarriages in this WHO-driven YouTube re-education quiz that you get to take so that you get the slap on the wrist and we're going to let you on YouTube and we're going to take it away. She couldn't believe it. And then I showed it to, you know, she knew, she knew that I, I'm good with information, but she's like, no, I haven't seen this. And then I show it to her and, you know, her jaw's on the floor. So we just got to keep at it, bro. Uh, look, I always say this. No matter what's happening in the world, what's happening in your life is more important. That doesn't mean you don't take on the big issues, but you got to be able to control yourself. You got to be able to pay your bills, take care of your life, get the kids to school, enjoy yourself. That's the main thing. And the main thing is to no matter how bad it gets, never play the victim. Always figure out a way that you're going to navigate this fucking thing and become victorious. And that's my motto, dude. Like... You know, I've had rough financial times. I've had rough life. You know, we none, no one's perfect, all that stuff. You got to navigate it. You got to understand what you're up against. And you got to also understand ignorance is not bliss. Information truly is power. And just because something makes you feel uncomfortable and bad doesn't mean you're not going to have to confront it at some level. When you don't confront it, that's when it becomes worse. That's when it infects your life. That's when it infects your mind, and that's when it's most dangerous of you, again, falling into that victimhood mentality, because that's when you're the most vulnerable and you're the least fucking productive. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Ignorance is not bliss. You can't do that. There's so many people who've done it so long. Look where it got us, folks. This is this is where we are in the world now. Uh, we've been fully taken advantage of, uh, like Lindsey Graham on a Tinder date. It's just, it's time to wake up. You've got to have discussions. You, you've got to do that. You've got to be willing to have discussions with different people, and you've got to know what the hell you're talking about. And if you don't, then openly admit you don't and, and, and take in information from others. Jason, you always do an amazing job. You do bring the receipts uh, on all your stuff. It's, it's amazing. I love what you do. We love what you do. So appreciate you spending time with us tonight. I know you're busy. Uh, and, and as you can all tell in the audience, uh, and we all know here, there's still a lot we got to talk to Jason about. So we'll do this again. <laughs> listen, I'll come on anytime. And, and listen, man, I just want to thank you guys. Um, because just like you know, man, it's so hard just to get any kind of show out there, right? Like, yeah. like have a producer, have somebody that you guys cut up clips for me and, and a paying gig. Oh my God. <laughs> like, like people, don't, it's not like I'm making millions folks. But the bottom line is truth isn't always profitable, and you're going to have to navigate that, too, and you're going to have to decide how much you're going to dedicate to it. And when I have an opportunity and an arena like this to put my stuff out that's also financially helping me, I, I, I couldn't be more grateful. So, you know, I wake up every day thinking I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And, I, and, and look, you know, I don't know what I'm going to say every day. You know, I go in <laughs> at night. I try to figure out, okay, here's a baseline, figure out what's going to be my thumbnail, the lead story. But then in the morning, 
that could change like that, right? Like, oh my God, this is the biggest story here. Or I look, so, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I'm doing something on human brain interfaces. I have no idea where it's going to go other than all of a sudden I find out that BlackRock has their own brain chip and their own website on it. And I'm like, well, we've got to do this now. <laughs> so look, we're in this kind of, how do I say this? We're in a situation where we have to also realize that we're never going to know everything. We're not going to get everything right. And ultimately, life is this long journey of education. And not only for yourself, but those around you. And, and I'll leave it with this. The thing that I've found the most is that love is the ultimate truth and truth is the ultimate love. Lies don't make friends. So the more that you can bring truth into your life, the more you're going to be surrounded by love. And then really all the other stuff are just obstacles that you are going to be able to navigate and get around because you have that essence inside you. So once again, I, I got to thank you guys for letting me spout the truth two hours a day, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. And don't forget the premiums where I get to sit down with good people like Drew Berquist and uh, hash it out for 30 minutes to 90 minutes on a new on numerous subjects. Absolutely. Uh, no, that, and that was really fun, too. Um, so, no, yeah, absolutely. Check that out. There's so much. And check out all the documentaries. Go back and, and look at Jason's amazing work on documentaries. Uh, if, if he's done it, it's good. It's worth your time, I promise. Jason, thank you so much for being here, man. I, I really do. We will definitely do this again uh, for sure. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. All right. Have a great night. All right, folks. So check it out right here on the RVM Network, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. There's premium content that he puts out. He puts out two premiums a week. Another reason to sign up. If you, By the way, if you're a Coin Club member, you've got access to those premiums. So go check them out on Red Voice Media. If you haven't, go to Red Voice Media, sign up. Go to dbcoinclub.com. You're going to get all of that stuff, including booze and banter when it's back. Um, <clears throat> okay. So... Uh, I want to do this. We're gonna we're gonna actually pull in part of the Trump speech uh, when we get back. We'll we'll listen to some of it. There's still a lot of news I want to get to too. There's there's plenty going on in the world. Um, but great conversation with Jason. Uh, really really was a, a good time. It was great having him here. Let's do a quick break. Before we do a quick break though, let's get to the question of the day. Reminder too on uh, related unrelated to the question of the day submit your holiday drinks because we're going to do the 12 drinks of Christmas so submit it. your holiday drinks recipe like what it is and a basic recipe shoot it over to producer at redbeachmedia.com uh, we can put that in the chat for those of you who haven't sent emails there before but send them over 12 drinks of Christmas Christmas here's the question though it actually kind of ties in doesn't have to be Christmas could be holiday kind of New Year's are you for or against Christmas slash holiday cards? Let your, let your voice be heard. Let your opinion be known. Are you for or against Christmas cards? Send in your responses. We'll get to ours as well. We'll show some of the Trump speech. We'll get to a bunch of other news that we're going to cover tonight all after this quick break. Interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. 
Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833-2-USA-GOLD. Yes, call now. 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833-2-USA-GOLD. Yes, call now. 833 833- 287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. My business partner, Jim, and I uh, started Thistle Creek Reserve because we wanted to bring glory to God. We want to be Christ-centered seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our coffee is produced all around the world, some from Papua New Guinea, South America, uh, Guatemala, Brazil, for example. Beyond the Cup is it's our life motto. It's our way to give back, and it's, for us, our charitable partners. Uh, we partner with the Tim Tebow Akoa uh, Philippi Project to help rescue women and children from sex trafficking. Uh, we partner with Seamark Ranch, a uh, foster care community to help show the love of Christ to children uh, who've really just been abandoned by their families. One of the things that we do is we go back and we support the missionaries that we help get our coffee from so that they can build churches and uh, schools and hospitals and dig wells so that everybody has fresh and clean water. We stand on core conservative Christian values, and we will never shy away from that. But that doesn't mean that we don't love our friends that are across the aisle. We love them all, we wanna serve good coffee to them all, and we want them to know that there's somebody who might not think like they do, that's willing to love them anyway and have a conversation with them. is in the river. The crow flies in the river. Titwillow, Titwillow, you magnificent Titwillow.
registers the court of the Thunderdome. Did what's boy last week? All right, welcome back, folks. 12, dr 12 drinks of Christmas. Send those recipes in. Question of the day, though, was are you for or against Christmas or holiday cards? Colty came right out. Hell no. Hallmark holidays are just a way to get our money. Uh, people thanking Jason for coming on. Yeah, it was great having him on. Uh, uh, let's get into the Christmas cards for a minute. We're going to try and bring in part of the Trump speech tonight. We're not going to do all of it. You know, we're here to do a show We'll talk more about it tomorrow as well. But w what's your take on, on Christmas cards or holiday cards? <laughs> I, I, I don't say after I've gotten divorced, I don't send them. And when I was married, um, the ex-wife, Exie, used to take care of that. I'm not, really not sure who was on our Christmas card list. But I don't know. I Like my orbit of friends and family is so small that I know what everyone's doing anyways, whereas Christmas cards are kind of like updating on everybody on, you know, who's doing what, where, and then everybody dressed alike, which is really strange to me. I, you know, so you're not doing like a everyone in the same pajamas oh, card? Bro, it drives me crazy when we do a family photo, and it's like, luckily we started doing family photos at weddings because I have nieces and nephews that are all getting married. So it seems like every year that, you know, there's a wedding. But before everybody having to dress the same, oh, it was it was gut-wrenching to me. So when we do a This Is My Show Christmas card, we're not dressing up no, the we, same? No, we definitely will. <laughs> we are now. <laughs> That's totally fine. I mean, if we're, we're going to do it for the show, then yes, onesies, whatever you want to do, I'm in. Okay. But like the family and stuff, it was just... Uh... Christmas cards are dumb. It's something social media replaced as HMMWV driver. That's that's is a kind of a preview of my answer. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not I'm like I'm when people send them, I take them. We have a spot where we usually like put them up. Like, oh, that's great, right? But we, we don't. We, we're not going to put most them to, of them. Yeah, we're most not most of them. I'm going to be honest. Some of them <clears throat> come in. It's like we've been talking to them for a long, a time. long time. Yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> Next, <laughs> but, no, I, the, the sentiment is sweet. I, I don't have a problem with the sentiment. There are certain people I love to see pictures of and see updates on on their kids and and whatnot. I just my problem with it is. And we send them out, but our list has gone way down. It's gone way down, and, and just because it's also a pain in the ass, it's expensive, it's, it's all these things. Postage. But I don't, I don't like telling people, like, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's going on. Here's what, like, I just, that's just not me anymore. Like, <laughs> and I hate that about social media. Like, don't tell me what you're having for lunch or where you're on vacation. Like, I don't, I don't care. Doesn't mean I don't care about you. I just don't need an update on your meal plan for the day or how your kid did in a soccer game uh, because they can't play a real sport like football. Like, I don't need I don't need that update. And so the picture ones, I don't mind. I like it. We hang them up, too. It's yeah. nice to see. And then, but the ones that send, like, a long letter, and then Johnny did this. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. I, well, I just, I don't like, I just don't like it. Like, yeah. no, I didn't ask you. 
Dude, there is a direct correlation between people who write the long letter for the Christmas card and those who overshare on social media. Absolutely. They're the exact, same people. The same people that talk about these bad breakups and this chick is a bitch and a home wrecker. It's like, what am I reading? This is so <laughs> delicious. I got to keep going with it. No, yeah. I, I'm not, you know, the, 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 here's what's going on in my life. The people who need to know have already known. I don't need to mail out and tell people. Right. It's 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 over. And I, I'm not a fan. I have to tell my mom this all the time. Stop posting when you're going on vacation because now you're giving people the opportunity. Their home is empty. So yeah. now we just got to figure out where she lives. And also, no one cares. Yeah, but and, and, it's a and security yeah. issue, and, and no, no one, one cares. cares. Yeah. yeah, and it's it and it's not you know. It's like, hey, I get it. You're blessed. You get to go on these trips. That's fantastic. Go on them. Do them. But By you don't means. need to gloat about it. You don't yeah. need to talk, share about it. Stop it. And then there's these uh, pages that say they're like radio stations, and they're like, oh, hey, what, what was your dog's first name? What was the city of the street you lived on when growing up? Stop giving these people the answers to the questions to get onto your bank account, because that's what this is all about. Stop well, also it. be more clever with your password. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, uh, Magellan says I still make my own cards for family. Screw paying eight bucks plus for some cheesy saying and some paper. Yeah, I agree. There's some neutral ground in there. I don't totally hate. It's not like I totally hate them. I just I hate elements of them. Yeah. So I have one friend. You've met him, Jason, with the long yeah, beard. Yeah. He he him and his wife they own a photography studio. So they usually take them to like have to like hey come get your holiday photos. But then he'll send them as cards, and they're just I'll I'll bring a few in. They're top notch, over the top, <laughs> like it's fantastic. I can't wait for Jason's to come in. That's the one I can't wait for. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're I mean if you're gonna do it, do, do something it. unique and do yeah. something different by by all means. Um, no stories about your dog. It's definitely not about a cat. And then Rex threw up that that Lego. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, and if your son or daughter have just rented their first apartment, it's an apartment, not a pied a terre. <laughs> <laughs> Using pied a terre sounds way, way too pretentious. I can I can tell that you've seen one of them. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tom's just ripping it up like, fuck. No. No. They're, um, they're off the list. They're not getting a gift. All right, let's 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 um let's head in and, and hit some news here. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll maybe cut over and watch a little bit of the Trump speech. We'll see kind of what's happening. We got an eye on it, though. But for now, let's do the news cruise. We've got some election stuff we got to talk about, but first we got to talk about the current commander in chief. At least that's what they call him. He's um, not this one. He's he, he he's yep, this one here. Yeah, he's he was uh, he was doing a photo op and gave this just super rousing speech that will go down in history as one of the <laughs> he most really rallied the troops on that one orations <laughs> in presidential history. Uh, just kidding. He didn't, of course, say anything important. Uh, but the overcooked rutabaga actually just rambled through some prepared remarks and then made his exit, which looked like one of his typical exits. It looked like this. <laughs> it's like he got distracted. And cut the feeds. <laughs> I love the fact. And we're done. Yeah. That's a wrap, it, folks. Let's go to the bar. It, okay. look, it looked like it was. Is that ice cream? 
<laughs> I mean, he did. I mean, it's just remarkable. I love the. I'm just walking away. The person with the boom mic's like, I don't know what to do. The producer, cut the feed. Go to color bars. <laughs> it's remarkable. He looks like an undertaker from like a Western ghost town who looked really excited about sliding into a warm bath to soothe the abscess on his anus. <laughs> Did you guys come up with that, too? Yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing I thought when I saw <laughs> that exit. I was like, ghost town caretaker. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. I just want you to know, like, because I've been doing the show from home, and the lines that I can tell you guys put in to get me to laugh, I'm laughing alone in my living room. Everyone's going to bed and stuff, and my wife pops up. What are you laughing? I'm like, I, it's too, just, you missed it. <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm actually... I don't want to repeat it <laughs> to you. <laughs> we had kind of a long one last night, and I think that's the one that uh, I could see. I could hear you laughing all the way from your apartment to here. <laughs> remember the long one that Drew did? What, what, God, what was remember. that story? I, we posted it on social. Red Voice posted it on social today. I don't remember the. Um, Oh, so much oh, happens in a... Yeah, you know. it was about the... Uh, the uh, Oh, like comparing foreign policy to a dating app. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was fantastic. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> I was like, should I unmute myself so you guys can hear me laughing? Maybe I won't. Like... <laughs> That was good. It was a long read, too. <laughs> really, lean into it's it. Time to stay into it. It's um, just like swiping left. Like, oh, that was fantastic. That was great. I loved it. Uh, but speaking of anal abscesses, uh, Ronna McDaniel <laughs> had another banner night as RNT, RNC chair. She didn't. I mean, literally, the RNC hasn't had this bad of an ass kicking since the 2022 midterms. So I guess it hasn't been that long. Uh, but I mean, how. How bad was this? To be fair, there were a couple wins, and there's people out there who are saying, hey, it's, it's, there were some wins. Absolutely, there were. Scott Pressler, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, worked his ass off to help get some of those wins. But overall, let's, let's be realistic. Here's one of, the, one of the reasons that we're in this kerfuffle right now that we're in as a country. Nice use of kerfuffle. Thank you. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a holiday word. Um, is we, we don't call things like they are. We aren't honest with ourselves. We don't like to face hard truths. And the reality is, is last night was not a good night overall. No. At all. No. I mean, let's, let's think about this. And you know why it wasn't a good night, right? It's because the GOP donor class is content with losing and because most Americans just don't care enough to do anything. But you, you, had, you had some, here's some key highlights, okay? You had Kentucky, a gubernatorial race in Kentucky, Democrat incumbent Bashir facing Cameron, who seemed like he had a little bit of clout, like not clout, but like he was getting a little bit of steam as the Republican, should be a Republican governor in Kentucky. Especially after Bashir had this totally disastrous COVID policy where he acted like a tyrant and dictator, you know, just squashing people's freedoms in Kentucky. You would think the Kentuckians would have been like, to hell with this guy, we got to get him out. Yeah. And he won. Bashir back in. He'll get his second term as a Democrat governor there. And you had Ohio, who voted to kill babies on issue one. Up until birth. Up until bro. birth. Ohio and California now are identical when it comes to their stance on weed, making it legal, which I—whatever. I, I don't care about that. 
but abortion up until birth i mean yeah that's i mean this is gonna sound dark but you know i think the democrats have done themselves you know wrong by going this route because now they're limiting future democrat voters by passing this and celebrating it okay okay i mean that's kind of a dark twisted yeah yeah but but <laughs> i'm just I, trying <laughs> yeah it's 22 i mean it's 2023 so that was so ohio kentucky some of the some of the other fringe bills that were out there again some of them weren't as bad as others but then you had you had virginia where we needed two seats in the senate you have republican governor glenn youngkin who was who was hot until yesterday somewhat hot not sexually uh some of you might think that i'm just talking in terms of his <laughs> political clout but it was somewhat hot we needed two seats in the senate to take control which would have given us full control that's if we kept the house which we didn't so we lost the house and the senate last night in virginia dems swept the entire virginia legislature so what looked like oh this is going to be great we're going to take the whole thing over it's going to be governor house senate never mind House and Senate gone. They also elected in Virginia. They elected their first trans senator. Thirty-nine. We're doing it, people. Breaking those glass. What happened with Susanna Gibson? She barely lost by like two hundred votes. <laughs> She's the, the the OnlyFans star. Yeah. That uh that. Well, you know, the story came out and she was like, oh, I'm the victim in this, you know, the uh, releasing, you know, naked photographs of me. And, you know, it's a smear campaign. It's like, wait, babe, you have you're you're getting money for people watching you have sex with your husband. She's just upset that she didn't get paid for those photos. She did. She did. Yeah. No, that's how the ones that got released. Right. She did. She did. Oh, they they all came from her website. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was her OnlyFans page. It's not page, like right? somebody came in and yeah, her OnlyFans page. It's not like somebody came into her house and like, like stole Polaroids or a VHS tape and right. then released it. This it wasn't was, an Aaron Andrews peephole incident, it right? Was, this yeah. was all public. Well, a public domain as you get. When she it, was on. She wasn't on OnlyFans. Sorry, she was on Chatterbait. Yeah, that's where right. she would <laughs> people would pay, and then as they paid, she would her husband would do to her what they paid for. Yeah, with the tokens. Oh, you want that there? Oh, that's going to be five extra tokens. Are you ready? God, when I was, uh, this just reminds me, when I was uh, in school being EMT, going on a truck, going on calls and stuff, there was one call we went to. We get to the house, and the, the we get out, and the, the captain's like, just want you to know, this is a known, like, webcam lady. She's about 400 pounds, 500 pounds. She's just wanting us to flip her over. Um, and so that's what we're going to go in and do. And I was like, no, I thought he. Was, I thought like I'm green. You're getting me. We walked in. It's exactly what we did on their web on her webcam. Rolled her over and then left. Yeah, and they do that, and guys put in tokens. Yep. No, like, no. Nope, nope, don't. While we're in there, it's going da ding, da ding, da ding, da ding. It was awful. Now have the ice cream. More. Eat more. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. I was. I was like, how do you guys? Do? He goes, hey, she pays the bill, you know, to for us to come out. So the the county doesn't care. I was like, oh god. Those dudes are called feeders. They love it. They're like, eat more. Ugh. 
So the Dems also <laughs> swept New Jersey. Um, Moving on. Happened, not a surprise. Not a surprise there. Virginia, a little bit of a surprise. I'm trying to talk as fast through this as I can. Um, but we also had some. I mean, this was not really a surprise. This is disappointing. Uh, but but you had a pro Hamas Somali, lots of Somalis in Minnesota, in St. Louis Park, which is a suburb just west of um, west of Minneapolis. There, who who won the mayor's seat? Here's here's her celebrating. So la, la, la. that happened. Pro Hamas, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know, one of the sad things about this, and the, the country is becoming so much more polarized, and especially in ethnic neighborhoods, when you have the likes of Tlaib and the rest of the Hamas caucus going back to their communities and even doing more to polarize their communities and not helping the communities assimilate. This is just going to this is going to be just the beginning of what we're going to see in the coming years when you have cities like this that are these little like Somali enclaves that will no longer have a police department that's reflective of the United States but it's more reflective of their community and they're only going to be policing their police force is going to be made up of people in that community. That, yeah. This is something that we're going to see I I believe across the board. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, it's, it's, it's terrifying. Um, I don't, I don't like it whatsoever. It's happening a lot. And there's a, there's, there's lots of areas across the country. The Minneapolis one that it's happening a lot with the Somali population, Arab population in parts of Michigan, you've got, you know, it's, it's, there's, depending on where you are, it might look different, but the result, the end result is, is all kind of the same and it's not good. Um, so Speaking of Minnesota, though, just there was some kind of good news out of Minnesota. The Supreme Court dismissed the insurrection clause challenge, uh, which will allow President Trump to be on the ballot, the primary ballot. Um, that happened today. So that's there's some some good news that did happen there. It was a bad night for the GOP and the Republican caucus last night. But but Trump got a, a little bit of a win there. Now, again, does that mean that it's not going to work in other states for the libs? No, not saying that at all. But it, it t you got to take the wins where you get them, right? Right. So, well, speaking of wins, here's Ronna McDaniel's record since 2017. She's lost eight governor's races, three Senate seats, 19 House seats, and one presidential race. And she's still in charge. Yeah. It's almost like the system is rigged. You, you know, it's, just watch your it mouth. This makes that too makes much sense. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Har Harmeet Dillon should have won. Um, the we talked about this earlier yeah, off camera. The, when she didn't win, I was like, the fix is in, man. Because you have all these GOP really wealthy mega donors. They don't care, man. They're just, they're just like the progressives on the left. The progressives on the right are identical. As long as you're not hitting them in their pocketbook, in their bank account, they don't care. They just want the status quo, man. Have some wars. We'll make some money, drink some champagne, smoke some cigars, and, you know, do a little coke off a, you know, model's ass on the yacht. Everything will be fine and cool, man. That's just what we want. Just go with the flow. Instead, 
you know, the rest of us, the peasant class is like, you know, we need somebody to come in and help us. And they're like, you know what? Go to hell, peasant. You might be on our team, but you're never in. You're never going to be in the clubhouse. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I agree. That's how it is. And that's how we are where we are. That's the system is what it is. We talked I mean, a lot about that with Burmis earlier. You just can't. It, it's so hard to beat the system. They are so rooted in, so rooted in. And that system is about to get more control. Right. More control. The Revolutionary War never would have happened if the British would have let the likes of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and some of the other really rich founding fathers get more land. It was all about, you know, the the colonists who were here who had the money and the wherewithal wherewithal to seize land to take the land and develop it into whatever they want and, and sell plots to whoever. If it wasn't because of the money and them wanting to get more money, we'd still be a colony. It's the same now with the donors. They have nothing to gain by standing their ground in in making a a valued choice in in taking up some sort of fight. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. Um yeah, unfortunately, the Muslims who've been pouring into the West haven't assimilated anywhere. No, exactly. There's no incentive to. That's not why they're. That's not why they're coming here. They're they're being brought here for a purpose. In many cases. Well, I mean, it, you look through history. Just about every ethnic type of uh, type of person that has come into the United United States has found their little enclave. You know, you had Little Italy. You had, you know, Chinatown. You know, all over uh, big metropolitan cities. But the one thing that you did have is you had, like, the Irish, you know, who came into your to New York, who were considered a pariah. Well, they got into law enforcement, and that's how they assimilated into the society. And until you have these enclaves that are willing to assimilate, learn the language so you have the commonality of a language— and be part of the community, all you're going to do is, is just stay isolated to with people who look like you and talk like you. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing all over the country right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's 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 friggin' maddening. It's friggin' maddening. By the way, hit that smash. Uh, hit that smash. Hit that smash. Hit that smash. <laughs> hit that smash. smash. That's, that's what we're going to say from now on. Hit that smash. Smash that like button. There please. it is. Uh, please hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching. Um... All that helps. Keep chatting. Keep chatting, engaging, share, share away with folks, folks who need to know about the program, folks who need to know just about truth and, and a different perspective on things that are going on. Uh, and, and people who need to know about stuff like this, such as starting in 2026, the government's going to be able to turn your car on or off based on what they think is OK. Perfect. <laughs> Who saw that coming? I did. I mean, we. I think we. If you're paying we, attention, we talked about yeah. it on one of the shows. I was like, "What the hell is going on? They're putting kill switches in." And everyone's like, "Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. They would never do anything like that." Yeah. Well, Thomas Massey tried to stop it, and and then he shared this. He shared it on Twitter yesterday. By the way, his his attempts to stop it failed. Yeah. So it's going through. Brilliant. So, so here you can see a couple spots highlighted. Uh, talking about the technology, um, it can passively monitor the performance of a driver of a motor vehicle to accurately identify whether that driver may be impaired and prevent or limit motor vehicle operation if an impairment is detected. Then we've got another one, which is kind of similar verbiage. Can you zoom in a little there, Disco? Sure. Um, 
passively and accurately detect whether the blood alcohol concentration of a driver or motor vehicle is equal to or greater than the blood alcohol concentration described in Section 163A of Title 23, United States Code. And, uh, and then I'm going to skip down to the, to the one that's highlighted there, point C, is a combination of systems described in some par subparagraphs A and B. Basically, though, they, the left will tell you and I think there was like 18 Republicans who joined and voted 19. for this. 19, sorry. Rhinos. 19 fo folks who did this. They'll say, hey, this is not about controlling people or monitoring anything. It's just about safety. Obviously, no one in the right mind is out there supporting drunk driving. Like, hey, Butch, you should really get on the road right now. I know you can't stand, but you should get out there and go, and go hurt some people. No one's for that. But no one should be for giving even... A, you know, just an inch, uh, less than an inch to the government and letting them control like, oh, you know what, should we let Tom drive tonight? <laughs> Dude, no. <laughs> you're giving you're giving control over to your car. Yeah. You're not even giving it control over to an another human being. You're giving it over to a, a vehicle. You know, how many times, I think, Drew, your car has it where it lets you know like, if you're like, you know, changing lanes and that little little coffee cup icon comes on and says oh you might need a break or something like that this is going to be that on steroids yeah and we all know that we know people in our lives right now <laughs> i do that can't drive worth a shit who are when sober so yeah. Yes. yeah their cars are going to be sh getting shut down all the time just because they suck at driving but this, you know, first of all, how is how is your car going to be able to know how, what your blood alcohol is? The only way that it can that it could kind of like try and figure that out is by your driving patterns. And so now it's just, you know, it's another example of Big Brother coming down on the individual to take away your freedoms under the guise of security and safety. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And, and that's why it passed. And that's why it'll continue. And that's why most of the people out there will say, ah, it's probably for the best. Right? Let's just, just give them this one thing. And, and, but let's, let's stand strong on the other stuff. You, it doesn't work that way, folks. It doesn't work that way. You give them an inch, they will take a mile. Once you <clears> give up freedom, you never get it back. It, it literally does not work that way. Well, they disguise it with the alcohol level, but then it's going to be, you know what? You've already you've emitted too much carbon. You cannot drive your car. Exactly. Yeah. That's where it uh, that's where it's going to lead to. You voted um let me see. You voted Republican today. Okay. <laughs> Good you're, luck getting home. You're going to see all these soccer moms parked on the side of the road <laughs> stuck just waiting, going, "What is going on here?" And then the police are going to show up and issue them a ticket because their car, the soccer mom's car in the police that they were breaking the law yeah. how's that gonna work for you it's yeah. just gonna be great isn't it right no it's it well it, it Magellan's right it's gonna be a whole lot of base model work trucks sold soon manual everything with carburetors and no electronics yeah yeah I mean yeah. those those what will be considered relics and 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 people you know they're not gonna like people having them but those things are it's going to be like just like whenever they when <clears throat> what happens when there's and I still think that there's maybe a backside to this too but when there's more increased talk about gun control, what do people go and do? They buy more guns and yeah. ammo. Yeah. You, you say that this stuff's going away and we're going to control it. 
people are going to do the exact opposite. They're going to buy all the shit you don't want them to have that you they, you can't control. You're going to see an uptick at, at auctions like Barrett Jacks and all this stuff. And there's not going to be these high value cars. They're just going to be this is a 1997 Corolla. Yeah. You know, and people are going to be bidding on it because you know what? It doesn't have a computer chip in it. I'm going to want it because I want to be able to drive. It, and you're going to see it happen. It back in I guess the end of February of this year when this happened. And I read about this and then moved here. That's why I bought a manual transmission vehicle <laughs> with nothing in it. It's got crank windows and a CD player. And no air conditioning. And no air conditioning, <laughs> which I didn't realize was an option, you know, before was an option before 2012. See, I, I, I know someone who in every car they want to have the manual windows and it's out of a fear of if I drive off a bridge, and I can't roll my window down. At least I have a way to get out of the vehicle <laughs> manually. But now that makes sense. You're like, nope, I can't. I don't want anything electronic on it because I, I just want to be able to drive when I want to drive. But yeah. the good thing about not having AC, I know that it's hard to find the good thing of not having AC. Really <laughs> in hard. The summertime. But when it comes down to ESG scores, not having an AC is going to offset my carbon emission. Yes, your score. You know, <laughs> all the other stupid things you do in their eyes will you'll yeah. get some. Like, well, he doesn't have AC, so he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's good. Magellan, once they put the tip in, it's too late. That's we all know. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? It's like uh, you know, especially where we're at. How you got to you know, you know, if you got to evacuate during a storm, you got to go over the bridges. You're going to start your car. Sorry. You've admitted too much. Like shit, I can't evacuate. Yeah, like yeah, that Facebook post really hurt. <laughs> yeah. you. Now you're gonna drown in the storm surge. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, I, I, well, real quick on this too. Josie said um, on Twitter, uh, if you don't follow her, but um, she, putting a kill switch in cars violates the fourth, ninth, and tenth amendments. An argument can be made for the fifth and fourteenth as well. It's your duty to vote out these people who voted against this measure. Absolutely. We're we're at this point now in time where. The government and these elected representatives who who don't give two shits about you don't care about the Constitution. Most of them haven't read it, and they don't care about the pushback or the blowback that they get from these things, because you can. There's a lot of stuff happening. You can cite a whole bunch during COVID, right? You can cite a whole bunch after COVID where people's rights have been abused. <clears throat> And, and this is another example where it's like, oh, we didn't give you the right to do that. Again, that's not us supporting or endorsing someone driving drunk. That's, that's not what this is really about, though. That's just what they're—that's the, that's the ruse, right? Yeah. It's, so, anyways, let's do this. I want to skip ahead. Let's get to some of the stories we're going to do and see, because I think what we'll do is we'll let, um, we'll let some of the, the Trump stuff play once he gets up there. But um, I, I want to go uh, into some Hamas caucus stories. So, so let's do that now. smoke from a cigar it actually makes it seem like the explosion yeah. happened. <laughs> and then drew just popped out of the explosion for the hamas caucus portion of the next show. time you need to have like a magician's hat yes. like, uh so we, we've got rashida's i'm going to skip ahead to the part that we know rashida talib was censured that does nothing we'll talk about that again in a second but but that people thought it was a big win. yes 
But before it all happened, this was her on the floor. I apologize in advance for how annoying it is to listen to her talk and weep. Um, but take it's only a minute 12, so it's fine. Semitism makes us all less safe and worry that your own child might suffer the horrors that six-year-old Wadiat did in Illinois. I can't believe I have to say this, but P Palestinian people are not disposable. Control your damn We breathing. are human beings. Just like anyone else, my city, my grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber. The cries of the Palestinian and, ch Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why, what I don't understand is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. We cannot lose our shared humanity, Mr. Chair. All right, first of all, honestly, control your breathing when you're emotional. That, that just was painful to watch. Like, pull your shit together. You can be better at being sad. Uh, which I think is fake in this case. But you're talking about the differences. We shouldn't be able to—we shouldn't have to distinguish between the cries of, of Palestinians and, and Israelis. Okay, you try it. You try it, because you and your Hamas caucus members are the most anti-Semitic bitches on the planet. You don't, ca you don't care about them whatsoever. Have you listened to yourself talk about them before? You, you, you don't whatsoever. Holding up the picture and—stop it. I love the fact that she holds up the picture of her sissy, my grandma, and saying she just wanted to live in freedom and with human dignity. The old bitch was covered fucking head to toe. Right. <laughs> the only freedom that her sissy had were her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, bro. So for her to, like, you know, talk about freedom and human dignity, there's no dignity when, when, when you're a fundamentalist and a jihadist in Islam. It's just—it's non-existent, man. Yeah. No, I, I saw a clip where someone was talking, like, look at all these people, and it's these transgenders or these women. They're like, stand up for Palestine. And it's like, you know, I, I, you know I'm a woman. I'm taking a stance, and, and you know, this is what I—yes, because that's what these men, these Palestines love are free-thinking— strong-willed women that yeah. don't cover their whole and body. Who are also gay. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's like, yeah, if, if you guys knew who they were, you wouldn't be supporting them. Yes, every life matters. They should not have to be killed. I get it. I understand that. <laughs> but, but but it's like, come on, people. <laughs> they don't even care about you. That's why I love the, the skit from the, the Israeli TV that we talked about the other day but didn't play. Is they're like, yes, come over. We'll throw you up in the building. <laughs> well, it's amazing. <clears throat> but her friends lost, so they all then everyone, you could see Ilhan stand up and try and console her as she sobbed. Then Ilhan had her own speech. Uh, let's listen to the little um, terrorist here. What is true here is that every single one of them has not acknowledged the fact that Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but will continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. Rashida will stand strong. Gentle ladies, time has expired. Movement will continue for 
deliberation until every gentleman's time has expired. Has the right Ge to gentleman from Maryland liberty. is recognized. They should just cut the mic off. But they do in this next one. They do in this next one. Uh, so let's just play it. Here's here's Cory Bush, uh, who a reminder the other day. Uh, doesn't understand how taxes in America work, <laughs> but is a sitting congresswoman. Um, <clears throat> this was hers. She really, they all lost their shit. She really lost her shit. Take a listen to this one. Of uh, a lack of care and a lack of understanding and a lack of seeing the humanity of folks who look like Rashida Tlaib. It's outrageous that my colleagues are blatantly, blatantly attempting to silence the only Palestinian American representative right here. Um, it's outrageous, but it's not surprising. And let me tell you, it's not surprising because this place is where 1,700 members of Congress, this elected body, enslaved black people. It's not surprising because they thought it was right. It's not surprising because this is a place where members continue to claim that the insurrection on the Capitol just appeared to look like a normal tourist visit. It's not surprising because this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeatedly speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators, xenophobia and more right here in this workplace. This is the place. And let me say this. She mourns for the 1400 Israelis. She mourns for the 10,000 and she will not stop. No no more lies. Cease fire now, and she takes the, the death threat that you all sent. That, that they the gentlelady is no longer speaker. recognized. The gentleman from Maryland. To her, to her, the desire to save lives is greater. Gentle, gentleman from Maryland is recognized. Okay. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll reserve. The gentleman from Maryland reserves. The gentleman from Georgia is recognized. I don't think anybody, I don't think Rashida Tlaib should be censor, censured. I don't give a shit what she says. To me, it's a freedom of, it's a freedom of speech thing. It's a First Amendment. If she wants to talk and say anti-Semitic stuff, go ahead, man. Say it all you want. You know what? Say more. Because that just, that, that sheds light on who you actually are. Same with the rest of the Hamas caucus. Say more. Keep talking. I wish they wouldn't have, you know, clipped off uh, Corey's mic. Say more. I really enjoyed listening to her go, <gasps> I know. <laughs> Say more because, you know, it, 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 the more they open their mouth, the more you realized what anti American, hateful, wretched bigots they are. Yeah. So I say have more free speech. And you know what? The funny thing was they tried to censure her once. They tried to censure Tlaib once. And that didn't work for saying anti-Semitic shit. What worked this time is she called Biden a genocidal maniac. And the system can't have that. If you buck the system, they're going to come after you. And that's what happened. And that's... That uh, this was this was to let the Hamas caucus know who exactly is in charge. They can be, you know, as blustery and and, and bloviate as much as they want, but if they get out of line, there's going to be hell to pay. I and mean, there's not really even hell to pay because it really doesn't mean shit. Well, that's the thing. Like I agree. Like let them speak. Let them show the world who they are, and then it's likely not going to do much, and they'll likely still win an election in in their home state. And we'll be right where we are now because that's just where things are in our country. But let them do that. But moreover, it's, I mean, for the folks celebrating, I get it. I like doing people showing that they're trying to do stuff. If it's for the right reasons, I think a lot of what MTG does is for theater. 
but but I, I I like people trying stuff, but then don't call this a win. Like her, who, guess who else was censured earlier this year? Someone everyone hates. He's not a terror. Well, he's he's not a he's not like these folks. He's not a member of the Moss Caucus. But Adam Schiff was censured, mm. and it and it, and it didn't. Well, has anything happened to Adam Schiff? No. no. Has anything ch- changed? Nothing at all happened to me because I've seen the collusion. There's collusion. <laughs> That's, yes. <laughs> and scene. That was... Are you still staring, Tom? I looked away. I'm kind of... <laughs> but, but nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Nothing will happen. So let them do their rants let them show who they are like you're saying tom don't celebrate this as a victory i just don't see it as one i see it as more just dc political theater that that's just all nonsense accomplishes nothing for the american people all this is a waste of time uh in in my view but it it really is still I, i go back to her crying at the beginning before she was censured You've not been balanced in this. Everyone saying she she was, and everyone else in her defense saying she's been balanced on this. She hasn't been. And I, again, I know it's complicated over there. It's not as simple. I'm not Palestinian or Israeli, but I've spent a lot of time in that part of the world. But even just at a human level, Rashida, you showed your your whatever you called her, the the, the older lady who's dead, um, sissy, sissy, sissy. If, if Sissy was still alive, I, I presume based on how she said it, she's not. But if she was still alive, younger, you had family there, and Israelis came across and, and raped your Sissy and then killed her in front of you and then killed 1,400 other people, would you not, as a, as a even though you're not a country, as if you were a country, though, if, would you not want revenge and some sort of action to be done? I get you don't want your don't don't hurt us don't do anything to us even though we just did something to you I get why you'd feel that way because everyone wants their people to to survive and and not have come but like that's that's human nature man that's just that's life you guys slaughtered fourteen hundred innocent civilians and you you expect no repercussions right like it's just that's not how life works and it doesn't it, I get it Israel Palestine more complicated than most regions the issue and what happened here. Not complicated. You could fill in any other two countries there, and and the same thing would be true. You guys should probably go fuck them up because they just had their way with you. I I, I think it's all just insanity. It's all at the end of the day. It's identity politics and how I can you know clip a soundbite to help fundraising. That's yeah. all they're doing with this. Yeah. That's all half of Washington does, you know, with these committees and these proclamations that they come out and investigations that are going to happen and these blue ribbon panels. It's it, it's all for show. It, it means zero. Yeah, no, it does. It absolutely. And, and you said it's half of Washington. It's it's ninety nine percent of Washington uh, is is what it is. Uh, OK, there's there's Trump still not out there, by the way. So stick with us for at least one last story here, and then we'll let. What we'll do is we'll let you guys watch Trump, because um, we've kind of jumped around based on all this. And we had a long conversation with Burmis, but the <clears throat> remember the plane lady, oh, Tiffany yeah. Gomez. Oh yeah, yeah. 
so you know she, she disappeared didn't do anything then she came out and then she got socials and and all of that started and and there was some notoriety did we ever invite her or did she decline it or i didn't invite her oh, okay. uh, but i still kind of want to um so she went on someone else's show and i apologize i don't remember the name of the show but it went on there and was asked at, at a point during this conversation if she would ever do or consider doing or if she was thinking of doing an only fans page since she's gotten all of this kind of excitement around her let's let's listen to the conversation you know what's so crazy i have not made a penny not one penny i would imagine people have asked you like can you uh like do an ad for a product would you mind I linking mean, people to here i have like cameo playboy only fans like yes like i trust me there's times when you're like in your deep moments you're like damn should i do that mm -hmm. <laughs> but it just really doesn't fit like who i am as a person not knocking it whatsoever it's just not really up my alley like i actually do have a good career trust me i can make hell of a lot more money on OnlyFans though yeah yeah i mean that's I, that's most Ooh. of your replies are like when when like, only fans yeah, <laughs> only mean, fans now please i could probably retire by next year and sh she's probably not wrong there's some people who make a ton on there. Oh, yeah. At least from what I understand. You see all those stories. I was doing this, and then in the <laughs> last six months, I've made blankety blank. It's like, damn it. Why wasn't I an attractive female? <laughs> yes. Well, you still, I mean, there are plenty of, you know. There's options. Dudes in Berlin that would find you really attractive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man look at this guy yeah. <laughs> whatever it takes for our company to succeed all right i mean guys i need you to come in uh, a little bit late for the shoot today uh, <laughs> the studio's been booked yeah. you can't come in here <laughs> she's kind of like this weird enigma because for, for one nobody knew who she was and then when she did appear she's got the whitest of white first names in one of the most Hispanic last names ever that have like perfectly intersected. So, you know, it, it, OnlyFans, yeah, I guess it just depends on, you know, what your shtick is gonna be, you know, what you're, what Pe you're gonna specialize. People would probably play just to have her be like, that guy is not real. Like that's all they would need. And they'd be like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna pay. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, honestly, like I don't wanna be crude, but like just replay that scene in a more, scantily clad outfit and people would they will they that's 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 another damning state of our country but that's that'll work i think that when she went off on that thing on the plane i i've watched it probably more than i should have because <laughs> i was a little obsessed with her but i definitely think man she was she was cruising along on some pharmaceuticals <laughs> had to have been yeah. no she had to feel great on something and then yeah. it just hit, hit a point where it's like i've lost control so she had a great time in the lounge with yeah. the free drinks and then just all of a sudden it, it, she lost it yeah no it's because she's seen when all the stuff we've seen her since she's put together she can talk all that stuff there's there was something influencing her to, to act the way she acted yeah nope period Wow. End of story. I mean, um, I had a friend of mine once. He was on a flight at leaving LAX, and it took off and had engine problems. And he came back, and he was so upset, you know, that this had happened and everything, that he came over to my house and ate mushrooms before he went back to get on the next flight. <laughs> hey, we all, we, all, we all have our own travel, we, yeah. you know, repertoires, if yeah. you will. Um, we, we just do. My favorite was, you know, going to the airport here, going to the lounge, and it's always the same lady in the morning at the bar, and it's like, I'll just have a 
tequila sunrise and you can just get rid of the orange juice. She's like, I like your style. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. She gives me no ju judgment. Thank you very much. No, she's used to it. There's no right. rules when you're traveling. Yeah. That's the nice thing. You know what would be fun is the next time we travel somewhere together, if we dose disco with mushrooms <laughs> before we get on the flight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you two are perfectly fine. And I'm over there like... <laughs> <laughs> Disco, we gotta leave. Uh uh. <laughs> I mean, that would be fun to film. It would be. You guys would just have to film it because I'm the one usually filming stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, I mean, Tom can do it. He's yeah. Yeah. He's qualified. Yeah. No, he's oh yeah. He's, he's more qualified than me. Totally. <laughs> uh, that would be. Good. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's gonna be like, "What happens?" Like, well, well, I was I was safe. I was with. Drew and Tom, and she's like, no, you weren't safe. And then local law enforcement. But it was, I was safe the whole time. She's like, did I you was. shit your pants? Yeah, I did. I did. Twice. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is going to happen now, and I'm not going to know it. It's just going to happen. Great. Uh, well, Drew and I are meeting each other early tomorrow morning to head out to some farms. And yeah, we're going to make this cow make it happen. <laughs> okay, cool. Hey, you know, why not? Get some nice gold tops for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, I think we've got, a, I won't say the name, but I think we've got another source who can help on that um, for sure. Uh, okay. We're, we're, we're going to, I think what we're going to do is we're going to bug out a little bit early. And we're going to do it so you guys can watch Trump, so we can watch Trump, so we'll have stuff to talk about tomorrow. Um, I, I'm just going to be honest. We've got an amazing audience on all the different platforms, amazing people. Um, but we don't have the kind of clout that Trump does. So when Trump comes on, I know that you guys want oh, to hear yeah. him speak. Um, so we'll be we'll be uh, gracious of, of your time. We appreciate all the time you've spent with us up till now. Um, RSBN, great conservative network. Who's who's got it? Go to go to uh, to Rumble. You can watch them there. You can watch them in a couple other spots. Um, check them out. See what the former president has to say. I'm sure it'll be interesting. It's going to be way more interesting than what's the what's happening. Uh, at the GOP debate in Miami, uh, but we will we'll recap that tomorrow. We're gonna have Ted Harvey, um, who's 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 gonna join us to to help recap what happened there on the stage. Again, not gonna be super important uh, in terms of what it means, but it's still a conversation we need to have. Uh, so it'll be good to get him weighing in on that. We'll talk about Trump's speech. We'll talk about some other stories we didn't get to today that we have ready uh, as well for tomorrow and then whatever else this crazy ass world throws our way. So we'll look forward to it. We hope you have a great night. Enjoy the speech. If you, if you venture into the debate, enjoy that. Share some, share some, uh, some tidbits that you see from it with us. And we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Be safe. Be smart. Be free.